Hey guys, before we get started, this episode of Beer and Other Shit, the podcast is brought to you by High Season Co., a social media agency with over a decade of marketing experience who are crafting the way brands are perceived online. These guys aren't just marketers, they're liquid enthusiasts, craft beer nerds, hip-hop heads, and Gary Vee disciples. So is your social media looking tired? Are you having trouble getting to your customers? High Season can make it happen. Check them out, highseasonco.com. That's highseasonco.com. Now let's drink some beers. Are you a brewhead? I'm a brewhead. Are you a brewhead? I'm a brewhead. Y'all a brewheads? Yeah, we brewheads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C-Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 106 of Beer and the podcast. And today, we are in gorgeous, I guess it's called Braintree. Mm-hmm. Look at this. Look at the sunflowers. In uh, Vermont, we got Mike, co- oh, I was going to say co-founder. That's not true. Founder mm-hmm. and owner of Bent Hill. Mate, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it, man. This is gorgeous. Out of control. You just stare here, and people can listen to us stare. Yeah. <laughs> Want to see that Pretty instead? much. <laughs> I'm with it. It's super cool, man. Thank you for having us. This is uh, super, super dope. I only I didn't realize where you guys were. I had my um, friend Rob sent me a photo the other day, and he was here, and he had sort of the the beer like this looking out. I'm like, where the hell is he? I thought he was like maybe his house or a friend's house. Somebody told me he was here, and I didn't realize that you guys were like in this crazy location. Yeah, it's cool. a little bit out here. I mean, for us, it, seems, <laughs> it doesn't doesn't seem that far for us. Oh, it wasn't that far. Oh. Oh, maybe it could have come from Waterbury, but still, mm-hmm. it's worth it. This is like a track. This is you know, it's like what time is it? Like two thirty on a two Thursday. On a Thursday. a bunch of people like just drinking in the middle of the day, technically <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. It's like beer brings people out. Oh, it does. It's yeah. crazy. Um, before we get into the details, this is we're gonna start with an interesting beer. So anyone who listens to the podcast know I hate pickles. And we're starting with the pickle beer. Mm-hmm. And we always joked about pickle beers. Do you hate pickles more than beets? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that beet beer was the weirdest thing I've ever had in my life. <laughs> it was hectic. I mm-hmm. about that. Oh, I didn't think about I was thinking about that the other day. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're just going to be brewed about you. Like a week and a half, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the most, like, gorgeous-looking beer I've ever seen. Like, the with the color, it's incredible. And it just tastes literally like kind of carbonated beet juice. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta kind of like like beets like for sure. Love beets. Mm-hmm. I got yeah. through a lot more of it than I would have thought, mm-hmm. just because it was so fascinating. It was like, and it's got that earthiness to it. So this one's called Pickle Kisser. It's a six percent sour, dry hop sour, with lemon, dill, and rhubarb, which is awesome. With sriracha ace and mosaic. I'm just reading the can when I could just ask you. Really? Okay. The can's pretty good description. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do it. Getting you. Okay, it doesn't smell like pickles. Wow. It is more rhubarb than pickle. Yeah. A little bit of dill in there? Just a tiny bit. All right. Yeah, we use about a pound of dill. We use 50 pounds of rhubarb. Wow. And then okay. we use 20 pounds of lemons. Yeah, because the dill can get really overpowering really quick. Um, and we played around with the ratios a bunch. So this is the fourth time we've brewed this it's only a seasonal this is the first time we've ever been able to brew it twice in a year okay um that's yeah, because of availability of ingredients yeah pretty yeah. much we can only get so much rhubarb in the springtime and then this year is the first year that we froze off a bunch so typically it's ah, like smart. fresh and then but this year was like we wanted to brew it more than once um particularly for my friends that came up um and they missed out on it anyways yeah. <laughs> <laughs> darn uh, but pickle beers next yes yeah, so the the goal is for us to kind of try to make it two times a year you know when we only bit. brew seven barrels of it a year total okay so it's yeah. not like a ton no and it goes pretty quick yeah 
Like, I feel like people, at least in North America, like in Australia, it's not a big thing, but here everyone loves pickles. Oh, yeah. And the closest I'd ever heard was, like, say, a cucumber goza or something. Mm -hmm. And it has a bit of a dilly flavor or whatever. Yep. So when you say dill, you actually you don't mean the herb, you mean the actual dill pickles. No, we're using the herb. Oh, there's no pickles in it? No, there's absolutely no pickles oh, in it. Oh, yes. Okay, I don't know why. So we've done pickle beers right. before. So we, we actually did a beer called Hot Tubs and Bongs, like... Um, <laughs> like uh, two months ago for Brewfest up in Burlington. Right. And that one we used two gallons and bread and butter pickles in it. Wow, how'd that go? It was great. Yeah. Yeah. It was like it worked out. It was bread and butter pickles, and then it was aged on raspberries, strawberries, and uh, cherries. Damn. And so it was like it had it's the like bread and butter pickliness to it, like yeah, that yeah. sweetness. Um, and it was a very specific pickle company that we used out of Braintree mm. and then but it was just subtle enough Like that's the whole goal too is like with any of these beers. It's like subtleties. It's like yeah I don't want to overwhelm the palate except the beats. Yeah beats aren't subtle at all Mike. Yeah <laughs> It depends we had, do have people that come here and we'll be like I don't take beast, taste beasts at all Really? Yeah and it's like we joke about it all the time because yeah. it's like a legit thing people will come here and they'll say exactly what you said Yeah, way too much and then we'll have people being like I don't taste them Wow it's that's just the palate. I mean, it's I so crazy how far it can change. That's a really good point. Fair enough. I just wouldn't have thought of any beer that beet one would have been the one that yeah. would have said. The that only other beet beer I've had is a sour um, hmm. that was out of Colorado. Um, that was with beets, and it was like a little too overwhelming and it, a bit in sour, a little odd. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. that earthiness with the sourness yeah. is, is probably not a great. Combo. No, <laughs> not at all. So I don't. You know, I do the stupid review mm -hmm. pitches. Yeah. May. Oh, you down? We're yeah. Be doing a bunch. Pickle beer, amazing. All right, brother. So um, let's get into your beer story. How did you get into beer? How did this all begin? Um, I mean, in, like a lot of people in Vermont now, as a home brewer, about ten years ago or now, yeah. um, and I was working. Well, I started before I was out of college. Okay. Um, and then pretty much from there, just kept brewing. I moved, um, I went to school in Maine, moved out of Maine, moved to New Hampshire, kept brewing. From here? Yeah, this yep. is where I grew up. Okay. So. That's amazing. Yeah, I've been here since I was 10. I've always been in Vermont. Uh, and then from there, I was an engineer and I kind of just got bored on that. And what kind of engineer? Isn't there like civil and environmental. Okay, and what does that actually mean? Uh, I primarily do? did um, like large scale oil cleanups and stuff like wow. old gas spills from like the 60s and wow. things like that. And so okay. we were going there and I was overseeing all that for the most part. But I did a lot of stuff. I mean, most civils are doing like road design, bridge design, and things like that. But for right. me, it was always, an, I was more on the environmental end. It's what I enjoyed. Gotcha. Okay. And so that's what I did, but um, it was a lot of travel. It was a right. lot of travel. I was traveling probably between five to six thousand miles a month, and Jeez. just I, locally. I mean, within it was in New Hampshire. Um, oh wow! Yeah, the whole state of New Hampshire I was driving up and down constantly, and that just kind of burned me out. And yeah, I was bet. trying to figure out the next step of where to go. And um, I'd been brewing, and, you know, I'd been giving beer away for years at that point, and you know, people really enjoyed it. And you know, it was like one of those things where like, how do we do this? You know, I have like that mindset. I knew how to do permitting. Um, how do I make this next step happen? And so we had thought a bunch of places to start it. And it was like, you know, I got to start it here. You know, right. we have our own well, we're on our own water. So it's amazing. Um, how does that work? Is oh, it like, so we have just a true artesian well. Right. And so we don't actually do any mineral additions or anything in our water. It's just it's like straight mountain, straight, water. straight water. Yeah. Our well produces like 12,000 gallons a day. 
Wow, it's it's, it's a you pretty can, nice well. <laughs> <laughs> and that runs all the tap water and everything like that. Everything. everything the same oh, yeah, thing? everything here. So, so sick. Um, so in 2013, I, you know, I pitched the idea to a friend of mine, and um, we initially were going to start it. He was from Portland, Maine. Okay. And then it just turned out that it was too far. We were too far away from each other to do it. It was going to be in Vermont. And um, so I just basically came back here. Um, and spent a year seeking out the funds to start uh, a one and one and a half barrel brewery. Right. So that's how we started. And in this exact location. In this exact location. So this this used to just be a twenty by twenty building. So right. um, we didn't even have the building when we started. We literally built a twenty by twenty building, and then we just kind of slowly waited to get our permits. And from there, it was just like. You know, I was still working as an engineer, and then I did that for probably about four or five months, and it was just too much doing both together. Yeah. I was still living in New Hampshire, but I was traveling back here every okay. single weekend to brew. How long and does that drive? It's like two hours each way, and so that adds up. Yeah, it adds up over time on top of all the other driving I was doing. So one day, my boss just asked me, you know, if I needed more time, and I was like, I think so. And he understood, and um, I jumped ship, and I said, I'm going to make sure I do this full time. Um, and obviously we started really tiny and so, you know, it was a huge uphill climb from there, um, being so small to start, but we, you know, we're into our fifth year now. Um, and so we've increased our production. We are selling through, you know, at least half the state, um, in particular spots we self-distribute. Um, and it's just kind of slowly grown on itself, you know, fairly organically. And, Amazing. you know, we've learned a lot along the way. And, you know, we hope the beer's definitely gotten incredibly better um, from where we started. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing how, you know, it just started from, like, nothing and just an idea to kind of where it is now. It's hard to, like, blink, blink of an eye. Right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of, that's probably the trippiest part. It yeah. must be, like, because you're probably heads being down working the whole yeah. time. So sometimes you got to sit back and, like, man, look what we did. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, do you get those moments often? I mean, I love what I do. It's it's so yeah. it's it's hard. I mean, I I don't ever leave here. I I like being here so much that um, I live right on the property. Right. And so you know, I'm ten steps from work every single day, and I can always find something to do. You right. know, I always want a project. I always want to be doing something in the brewery. Um, and so I don't know. It never feels like a task going in there. I mean, there's right. days you're you know, you're up at five o'clock in the morning, but. Um, it's rewarding in the end. Right. Mm-hmm. That's sick, man. It's pretty cool. So th- this that is your place? So this I'm, is actually, this is where I grew up. I actually live in a 130-square-foot okay. tiny house. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> with my girlfriend. That's all you need. Yeah, that's it. Well, yeah, we have three dogs. They sleep in there most of the time. Um, we also have a cat somewhere. Just cruising around. <laughs> Just cruising around. Um, but we actually... We, li- we just moved in that in December, so we haven't even been living in it a year yet. Right. Before that, we were living out in Tunbridge, Vermont, so it's about 40 minutes from here. Okay, and that so was getting annoying too? To that was getting annoying. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was getting old. You might as well just be here. Yeah, it's nice, you know, and gorgeous, we have man. you know we have a lot of friends that just show up and hang out, and you know they just know you're here, so you know, that's like is it one of those old school like in the eighties yeah. you just didn't even call or rock exactly. up, exactly. Turn up, hey, what's up? <laughs> exactly. We always joke about that. Like, who just <laughs> rocks up at someone's house now? Like, why would you do that? Like, People do it all is, the time here. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like it. It's like completely like just the opposite of any sort of city life. It's uh, like when we were driving up, the dog would literally like this guy. What's his name? Tobin. Yeah, he just came, he just like bolted towards the car. I was like, I was really just worried I was going to hit him or something. He's like super friendly. It's oh, he's really the best. He just, he absolutely wants to be everybody's friend. Love it. 
that's his main goal in life. So, yeah. <laughs> Looks like he's doing pretty well. Yeah, they like all the attention. I think it's good for them. All three all of the, the dogs that are here. Yeah, yeah, all the people that come through and just, I don't know, makes them like better. A cool bonus, right? Like, mm-hmm. just to come in, like, oh shit, I get beer and a dope. Yeah. Who doesn't and like dope? And for them, too. I mean, it's the life. I mean, we. It's all this open area, you know, we don't control where they go for the most part. Right. And, but the, all the people being here actually helps keep them around a lot. Right. Um, I mean, it's a dog's heaven more than anything. Oh, I can imagine. All sorts know. of stuff. How big is the property? It's 16 acres. Okay. But pretty much all the land behind here is public. Okay. Um, so from the trees back? So beyond the trees we own. Oh, nice. Yep, so that's a big brook down there and we own beyond that and then up Pretty much, it's all fields around here. Okay. But this is all wooded. I mean, there there isn't much around here besides woods. There's some you know cow farms and some pasture fields, but regardless of that, you know, it's all hills and trees. That's for the most sick. part. <laughs> hey, it's cool. No phone reception. No one to bother you. No. Yeah, that's one thing though. The first like three years that we were around was like I actually loved it. I was like, no one could call me and everything. But then we got so busy, I was like, I need to have a way to that. call people. What do you do? Yeah, well, the lady from Verizon showed up one day trying to sell me on a business line, and then she was like, "You know, you can use cell, you know, your cell phone up here on, through Wi-Fi." She's like, "I'll turn it on." I was like, "Oh, just normal Wi-Fi?" Yeah, I was like, "Okay," yeah. and I was like, "I'm not going to buy a business line now." <laughs> you just showed me how to do that. <laughs> she messed up. Yeah. So badly. Yeah, but now it's actually some. At least I get cell phone coverage up here now. But okay. we've never had cell phone coverage up here our whole right. life. Um, it's actually slowly started to creep up the hill. But once you get to the top of Bent Hill right there, mm-hmm. um, there's n- there's nothing anymore. No, just, no uh, not until you nothing that way, nothing that way. Wow. So we're just kind of in this like little hidden valley here. It is a valley, right? I was about yep. to ask because I can see like this thing's bigger than this. I feel so like, Braintree, we climbed up here a bit. Yeah, so we're at like uh, we're at like 1,200 feet here. Oh really? Yep. And oh. so the biggest mountain in the Braintree range we can't quite see over here is 3,000 feet. Right. Um, but we're looking at Rochester Mountain over there, okay. and then the Braintree Range slowly starts to start right here. Oh, just behind the trees. Though. Just behind the trees. Okay. And we're in central Vermont. Right we're now. in dead center Kids. Vermont. So Randolph right. is the absolute geological center of Vermont. And Randolph is the town we just went through on the yep. lake here. And just mm-hmm. turned off from that. Okay. That's crazy. Because I, I guess this is some we've never really been around this area, so we're sort of. I guess Burlington is where we, we tend to be. That's probably just the northern. I guess that's considered northern Vermont. Yep. And then, uh, so is it? Is it? Is there like a, a hub, like not gonna say a hub, but is there a whole bunch of other like breweries and like beer stuff happening around here, or are you guys like the sort of local guys um, for this? There's whole definitely central? quite a few, all pretty small. Okay. So there's no big industrial breweries in central Vermont, okay. or even in the greater area of central Vermont. Um, there's Good Measure, which is out in Northfield. They're a four-barrel brewery. Um, there's Brockle Bank out of Tunbridge. They're a okay. barrel and a half. Um, Upper Pass's small brewery is in Tunbridge. And they're brewing they're out two of and a half. Von they, Trapp yeah, well. they're brewing most of their beer out of Von Trapp. And then um, the closest thing to that then is River Roost down in White River. Oh, yeah, I heard about them too. Um, okay. They're quite good. And then... Lawson's, but Lawson's is building that huge facility now. In Waterbury or something, I heard. Uh, it's going to be in Warren. Oh, Waitsfield. in Warren. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be in Waitsfield. His original brewery's in Warren. It's Gosh. kind of like up this. It's up on App Gap um, on top of the mountain. It's a little seven-barrel brewery that he has there. Right, right. That's he's the original. The mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. he's, it's big. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Much bigger than yeah. we ever want to get. <laughs> That's a good question. Did you have any, any sort of thing in mind with this place? I think we definitely already exceeded what I thought I wanted to do, but it more came down to that every time we expand production, um, it's, it's always been like, all right, this will meet the demand for what we want, and then it, it just then, never has. Right. And so every time it's like 
we are always trying to squeeze orders to places, um, you know, to get them beer and just, it's, it's become an issue. But there's a point where we just don't want to get any bigger. We, we, we won't be able to get any bigger on this property. Um, right. You can't expand the actual brew house here at all? No. no. And so, Is that permit reason yeah, or space permit? permit. And so, but that's kind of like the limitation. So more than anything, but it's not the biggest deal to us. Okay. Um, to us, it's more like we're happy making a living. We get to live in a gorgeous spot. Um, and, you know, I don't have to go very far. My girlfriend always jokes that once we move back here, it's like I'm the hermit who never leaves the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why though. Yeah. And so she's actually, have you guys ever been down to Worthy Burger? Worthy Burger? No. In South Royalton? No. Wow, I'm surprised you haven't. We went to Cornerstone next to Good Measure one time. Yep, Cornerstone Burger and that, but Worthy Burgers. They're actually opening up a spot in Waitsfield soon. Okay. Um, but if you if you do, you should definitely check it out. But okay. um, it's just I don't know. Like uh, it's like a it's burger spot. It's it's like the original like beer burger spot oh, in this okay. area by right. far. Um, Worthy. And Add they started. The I think they started a year a year before me. Okay. And it. It's the same thing. Like you would drive down there, and you would never even know there was this spot, and it just kind of blew up. Um, it was definitely the they had the most craft beer, you know, for the time, and their burgers, you know, were, were really amazing. Good. Yeah. So, but she, yeah. So pretty much that's where she is. But you know, she can't get me to come off of it. Like she can't even get me to go down there anymore. It's like yeah, it's like I got beer right here. Where am I going? You know? <laughs> Are you uh, at the point? Do you? Like drink up mostly your own stuff? Are you sort of? Um, it depends. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't get away from here very often, but um, I do really enjoy going someplace else and drinking other beer. I don't get to go to a lot of breweries in the state. Um, you know, everybody assumes all the breweries have been to all the other breweries in the state. A lot of people think that, and I'm like, you probably have been to more than I have. Right. Um, a lot of it is everybody's really busy. Yeah. And so even them, like even everybody else just doesn't have the time to really get away. A lot of times if I'm just driving around on deliveries every once in a while, I'll pop in and see somebody um, and just say hi for a couple hours or something like that. And everybody's really friendly. I mean, if you know, that's more or less. Everyone seems to know each other. We all, if you need something, you can reach out to somebody else. You know, if I, like I ran out of cans one time and I needed, I just needed something last minute. And, you know, there were a lot of people willing to help and everything. But I um, I do really enjoy trying other people's beer. You know, not just even Vermont beer, but just other beer in general. Yeah. Um, it's just, I don't know, it's it's as a, it's always, you don't want to call it research, but. It kind of is, though. Yeah, you want to see what else is out there. Yeah, and it's just, you, to me, it's always a learning process. You know, you find something that you're like, wow, I really like that. You know, I want to learn how to, I want to learn how to do that, you know, in my own way. Um, I think that's part of it. You know, you can get trapped in your own stuff without having, you know, any other knowledge of anything else that's out there. Yeah. Is the biggest problem, I think. Yeah, I see that a lot. A lot mm-hmm. of particularly when it's like, uh, do you have assistant brewers and stuff like nope, that, or just, just me? You? So you're doing everything. Yeah, gotta, Mike. So Mike only helps him package, and then he runs the tasting room. Right. So that's it. So and it's you just got the delivery driver as well. Yep, I sometimes have to go out well. one day a week and do <laughs> deliveries myself. Um, so our del- delivery driver is actually a farmer. Um, okay. The guy who supplies my beets for me. <laughs> <laughs> the beet beer, which we'll talk about shortly. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, we did already. Yep. No, we don't even have the beet beer yet. Um, yeah, so he does, uh, he, he, during the summertime, he only does one day a week because he's doing his farming stuff. But come wintertime, he does all my delivery for me. He does two days a week. Okay. So it gives me some more time in here. You know, the more time I can spend in the brew house, the faster I can put out beer, the more I can keep up with things. Right. Um, but the whole key here, too, is, like, we just really like the small atmosphere of things. We don't necessarily want a lot of people around. Um, it is really peaceful up here. 
And so we've made it really efficient working for just two people. I mean, we definitely crank on it for just having two people in here. Um, I put in a ton of hours, but, uh, you know, that's the thing is, like, I don't honestly see myself not doing that ever. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I would do with myself. <laughs> well, feel like, yeah, let me grab you another say, one. Whatever we're doing next. Did you want to take that in? So if it's not, I don't want to leave it here. Yeah. Branding. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to waste the product. Who would have thought a pickle beer is awesome? I really like that, man. Because yeah. there's no pickles in it. Because he said pickle, and I was like, pickle? Oh, gosh, <laughs> I don't know. I was wondering, because he was saying dill. So I thought, I wasn't sure if, like, dill meant dill the herb or like because people just refer to pickles as dill i think sometimes yeah um that was super super good like it was like herby and really refreshing and like citrusy and like the, the dill wasn't overwhelming and it didn't really taste like excuse me pickles at all so that's a winner ladies and gentlemen who would have thunk it so for those listening you can't see the video this is like gorgeous so basically right behind we're on like a patio um what i call it a patio what it it's kind of like just a, a what would you call this, Tiff? Like a terrace yeah, patio, whatever. Yeah. But it's kind of like just sort of jutting over the edge of, and we're looking down onto like a small field. There's a uh, a sunflower patch right behind us, and uh, they're huge and they're awesome. And then uh, a bit of an open field, then a bunch of trees, and over the top of the trees we can see the mountains, um, and it's gorgeous. It's amazing. And the day is kind of a little bit of a rough day. Um, we've got the wind protector on the mic, so hopefully it's sounding okay. Oh, well, there's a kitty as well. There's a whole bunch of the dogs and the, the animals here are super cute. Um, such a beautiful place. It's definitely, like, if you're ever in Vermont, particularly central Vermont, like, like, hey, kitty, what's up? And now there's a kitty. I've never seen a cat this color. It's kind of like a light brown. Yeah. Light white, brown, gray type of thing. Friendly kitty. I love it when that happens. Um, yeah, if you're ever in the general... Uh, well, if you're ever in Vermont, this is something now I didn't like realize this is what you could get. Like, you could actually be able to sit out here. This would be the perfect thing. You could spend the whole afternoon out here. You're going to need a, a DD for sure. But um, this shit is gorgeous, man. And the brewery itself, we'll we probably look through it afterwards. Actually, we didn't do that beforehand. But it's like a, a nice, like, cute wooden house, little uh, tap tasting room in there. And I guess Mike will talk about it in a sec, but they're going to be expanding out here, which would be cool. I can imagine that would be a, a super nice... Uh, Little addition, large tasting room, fit more people in the winter and stuff. People can hang out. Um, it's beauty, and it's just so cool. There's already people just hanging out in the middle of the day. It's beautiful. Not messing around, bloke. That's the cat right yeah, there. Yeah, we just just met him. That's Fern. Fern, get a Fern. Very friendly. Oh, thank you. All right. Oh, nice. So, curiosities. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. What's this bad boy? It says ale. Does that mean it's like sour then, based on that? Or? It is a sour. Okay. Um, and so most of our sours, what we are doing to sour them is we're doing a sour mash. Um, and we're pitching Icelandic yogurt into them. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. So that's our inoculation to start the souring. Right. Um, and so it just has a lot of cool, funky bacteria in it. It's definitely lacto that we're looking for the most, but we find that it just provides a really clean tartness to the beer. Okay. And I, a lot of people, even with Berliners, they, you know, you, you can still get the really sour beers from Berliner. And I just kind of like having something nice and mellow. I don't, every once in a while I enjoy the pucker sour, but it's not something that I enjoy that much in a beer. Right. And so for me, it's like, I just want the right amount of tartness that it doesn't take away from some of the back end of malt. Um, and a lot of these are just like 50 to 75% wheat. Mm -hmm. And so I really like that character, but I want it to be dry. Right. And so, but you still get some of that maltiness in it, um, but you get just enough of the tartness. 
And so Just most of the sours we're doing, we're adding fruit to every single one of them. Okay. Um, we have two tanks that we use specifically for that. That's sick. Mm -hmm. And I so this it. one's aged on raspberries and, co and uh, toasted coconut. That's it. Hand toasted coconut. I bet you just did that in the oven. Oh yourself. yeah, we took days. I just toasted fifty pounds of coconut this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and it's already two p.m. Yeah. Well, cheers. 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 Oh hell yeah, creamy. It's almost more um cherry than raspberry. Yep. At the start, at least, and then it comes out towards the end. So every every batch of raspberries is a little bit different. Um, sometimes oh, yeah, we I find guess. that they're they have, they're a lot more juiciness to them, um, and sometimes they're have like I don't want to say zero flavor, but they definitely have more tartness to them than anything. Right. Um, it really depends, but it depends. I mean, it, it, it it's probably the ripeness of ripeness of them more than anything, but um, you just don't really know what, what you're going to get more yeah. or less. Um, and for the most part, like all of our fruit is uh, we bought through a co-op down south royalton okay um and so you know they kind of give us what what's yeah, available have. yeah and so you so, just kind of have to work with it the last batch was much sweeter so this this was these raspberries were much sweeter versus the raspberries that we use in the beer hot tubs and bongs were much more tart right and so the flavor that came through more was strawberries and raspberries because raspberries typically have a very strong essence to them yeah. um, and can be overpowering and will take over pretty much any other fruit yeah, that you put in for totally. the most part. They're like galaxy, the galaxy yeah. off of fruit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, get that photo real quick yeah. near the drill. Thank you, sir. Yeah, this is really good, man. I really like toasted coconut. I feel like I don't think of, I don't recall ever seeing it in a sour or like a lighter body beer. It tends to be in a porter, like your coconut, your coconut porter. Mm -hmm. I, I saved one can, so I still have it, like from the last batch. Have you had the double yeah. coconut porter? No. Oh, wow. That was, it's even better. It's sweeter. It's different. I find that our regular Oof. coconut porter is um, a little drier. It's supposed to be just light, easy drinking, you know, with the chocolate malts to it. We just, that's actually what I roasted the coconut for this morning. The double? No, for the single for the coconut. Okay. Is it, are um, either of them seasonal? Nope. It just kind of, I don't brew in a rotation of like, I don't really know what I'm brewing until I'm brewing it for the most so you part. Just like, All right, this is what we're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of uh, another question then. Mm -hmm. Like, how would you, like, y you seem to be, your, your beers are eclectic, super, mm -hmm. super eclectic. Like, I feel like you've, I've, like, you got beets and pickle beers, and then you got this, like, classic Vermont IPAs. And then coconut, you know, I feel like you do some interesting stuff. Like, how does that all, like, did you think beforehand, or I just want to make interesting all <laughs> off left of center stuff? Well, I think when I first started, the idea was I wanted, a, I actually wanted to make medicinal beers. And I wanted to put ingredients in that were medicinal. But the problem with that is you can't, they're gross, probably <laughs> for the most part. And then um, you legally can't claim any medicinal property in beer. It's illegal. So Really, because the alcohol kind of yep. negates it? Yep, so you're not allowed to via the state government, federal government, anything. You can't have anything that says anything in there is healthy at all for you. Okay. So from there, it was like, all right, well, you know, when I was a home brewer, I definitely, I love just putting odd things into beer, and that's how it started, you know. Um, we, the, probably this, the first beer that we started doing weird things to was a lavender porter, um, nice. which seems really porter. basic, but it was just like this beer that we actually won a homebrew competition up in Burlington with. Um, because it was just totally different, but it was so unique and right. good at the same time. I mean, it was funny. We had like people coming up to us and being like, "This is like a day at the spa." Like that's <laughs> that's like it was we it was at the time. You know, there wasn't a lot of people putting strange things in beer, and even now there still really isn't that many. Most people are either going for the mainstream, like 
these are our five beers, and these are the ones that we produce. Um, and I think the hardest part, too, is that, like, when you start putting weird things in it, you have to find a way to do it and package it properly. Right. Um, which okay. is not necessarily shelf staple or anything like that. Right, that's what you mean by package, okay. Mm -hmm. And so for us, like, you know, um, it's more like when we start using teas, you know, we don't actually physically put, like, the lavender and stuff in there. We make a tea first and we boil it so that everything's sanitary, and then we still put it in the end of the boil. And right, so that we prove like dry lavender. Exactly. Um, and, you know, for me, it's just, I don't know, it keeps things fun. You know, like even now we, we sometimes get into production mode where it's like it feels like we're brewing the same thing over and over and over again. And so it's nice to be able to have things that I'm like, OK, we're just doing this or right. we're just going to do that. Um, like these sour beers kind of all originated about a year or so ago um, that we did like one off batches with and we only kegged them. Right. And so and then we got some new equipment. The small We have smaller tanks um, that allow us to put fruit in. You know, right. they have the big open tops on them so that we can dump fruit into them. And four, we don't have that. I mean, you have a four-inch dry hop port. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's, yeah, it's not, not fun. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it's kind of an ever-evolving thing. And we're always thinking of new things to put in beer, but the hardest part that we've run into is people come here and they try something. They're like, well, when is that coming out again? And I can just like, I have no clue. It may not come out ever again. It may come out a year from now. It may right. come out three weeks from now. Because um, I don't really have definitive set schedules mm. of when I brew things. There's very few things that get brewed in a set schedule. Okay. Um, Why is that? Just because that's how you just you prefer to work that way? Yeah, I think it's also my palate, and I like you know I like drinking different beer a lot of the time. Um, so making the same thing over and over is yeah. kind of like and too. It, and and I think it goes back into the production end of things where it's like. I need to. I want to make sure that I'm always enjoying this here. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that get into that production end of things, it burns them out faster. I think everybody kind of gets tired after a while, you know, when you have 12-hour brew days stacked after each other all the time. Yeah. Um, but just to go in and know you're just throwing the same ingredients every single time and not have the, like, idea of, like, you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. Right. Um, I think you need that. You know, at least for me, that's, that's, you know, that's the creativity part of it. That's the part that I thrive on. Right. That's pretty, I totally get that, because I think that, like, the process, like, that over and over thing, like, I hear a lot of brewers, they, they might, you know, there's two paths generally, they're usually, like, a home brewer who goes straight to it, or they'll go and work at, every sort of city has their typical breweries, like, Magic Hat is kind of the one here, like, mm -hmm. everyone's going through there, which means you're making number nine all day long, every day, or whatever, and you get used to that, like, it teaches people uh, accuracy, mm -hmm. um, all that type of stuff. But then I think that's what great. And then that's, that boredom inspires the creativity. Like, I need to do my own thing. I'm going to lose my mind type of thing. Yeah. Um, so I can see that now, I guess you didn't work at any other breweries? No. You went straight to this? Yeah, actually, the guy that I've learned from is actually right inside there right now. Nice. So he was yeah. his mentor type of thing? Yeah, just mentor more than anything. Um, he worked at a brewery down at, in West Leb, and he was actually one of the original brewers at Catamount. I don't know if you've ever heard of Catamount. Catamount. It's one of the original microbreweries in Vermont, okay. in all of New England. Um, they were huge. Right. And um, they tried to go nationwide, and, and then they just collapsed. That was the problem. You know, the, the, the U.S. wasn't ready for that idea yet. Oh, ahead of the time. Yeah, and so they were, they were totally ahead of their time, but they made really great beer. And so I actually met him through a friend, um, shadowed him a few times, told him what I was doing, and you know, I've always sought out advice from him if I have, ever have an issue or I don't understand something. Um, and, you know, Sick. he's also learned from me, too. You know, he, like... 
before me, he never would have ever, he would have thought the idea of coconut and beer is a horrendous idea. And you should <laughs> never do it. And it's his favorite beer. Right. It's like, he gets really mad when I don't have it. Right. And so, you know, it's like the same idea that like some of the basic stuff is super, super important, but it's also the idea that you always have to be learning. You always have to be trying to push the boundaries a little further because, you know, anybody that says that this is the way it is and this is how it should always be, in my opinion, is just refusing to accept that there's always possibility out there mm. and there's always more to learn. And even from younger people that may not have been in the brewing industry as long as other people have, you know, it's those new minds that are thinking of new ways to do things. And yeah. that's how, you know, new creative things are always drawn out. Um, you True. know, you can't just always have that standard mindset, um, which I hope more people in the brewing industry can see, you know, because I definitely think there's a there's definitely a void and gap between, you know, the people that feel like they've been in the industry 20 years. And then the, the guys that are coming in that are, have been homebrewers, I think that there's a lot of. Uh, misconception and also they kind of look down upon them because they're like you haven't been in the industry long enough to deserve this type thing um, but it's also just like you may have been in the industry so long that you can't necessarily see that either hmm. and so I think this is a really good topic I love this because I feel the exact same way uh, how long have you been home brewing when did you think what, what was how long has your beer life been oh it's been we're into our ninth year now of home brewing. Of home, okay. Yeah, so well, I mean, nine, you sit from your yeah. beer journey since you're yeah. into a type of thing, right? So I've been seven, so it's not that long when mm -hmm. compared to these 20 plus year guys. And as you know, we talk to a lot of different people, whether they're fellow drinkers or beer media people, or you know, most importantly, guys like yourself, mm -hmm. brewers and owners and people in the game. And there's certain people I, I see this all the time, and I'm more, I'm, I really like your stuff. I always have because I, I can tell, even if a beet beer is super weird and I don't like beets, I think it's just so sick that you did it. Like, it's cool as shit to me. And, like, I see so many people, like, I, that I, it, it's all joking, arguing. We're just talking on Facebook all the time about, like, um, my, one of my friends always, like, make a thing of make IPAs clear again. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. Like, my friend in Michigan. Because a lot of Michigan, they hate the haze. Yeah. Like, that's just one simple thing that, like, is probably in the scheme of weird stuff. It's not that weird, but they just want to keep it that way. And when we interviewed, you know, guys like who are triple OGs, like the guys that found us, they can't stand it. Like, and they just think beer should be clear and it should be this certain way. And then, I've, you know, then there's the new guys just throwing lactose in and all sorts oh, yeah. of weird things in beer. <laughs> and, like, are you, you be, we have also another joke. We're like team lactose or team no lactose. Mm -hmm. So this is a bunch of, it's kind of more of a joke, but we've taken it way too far. Like, you, you'd be on team lactose, I oh, assume. Oh, yeah. We actually just brewed our first Damn. milkshake IPA with my really? friends from Peru. Nice. Um, it's a beer called Friends from Everywhere. So it's a milkshake IPA brewed with, um, pineapple and ariampo which is this seed from peru Amazing. um and it they use it to dye things and so it provides this really cool red color to the beer and then um so what was it aged on uh, pineapples and strawberries Amazing. um and so they actually have never i had never brewed one before and they came up here it's and done you did it here yeah we did it here is it available no we already ran out of it yeah we're gonna be brewing a 15 we're gonna be brewing Make 15 barrels of it nice. um to can and send out we're hoping in october that's the goal that's right now kind of. um see that i kind of have a timeline yeah. but i don't really have a timeline <laughs> it's, kind it's of like whenever yeah because last week last week the bruce chain the bruce schedule completely changed on me last minute i thought i was coming in monday to brew something and i came in monday i was like guess we're not doing that we're doing something else <laughs> and that's just how it works sometimes i mean i don't really always get to choose but um yeah, I just, I like the idea of, you know, innovative things. I, yeah. The one thing I really don't like is glitter in beer. Oh, I'm with that. <laughs> don't, I don't think don't. that's, I don't think it's a good idea. What about charcoal? No. Have you seen the charcoal glitter beer? No. 
I want that so bad. <laughs> I think the dumber the better. Like I know I know it's probably trash. But something about that, like it's like that experimental and I kind of align almost with the entrepreneurial spirit type mm-hmm. of thing where it's like, hey man, let's just try it. Yeah. Like why you know, cool, I, I love that. I'm sure you into Lagers Pills. Yeah. It's like the typical beery beer tasting beer, whatever people always say. I love that shit. That's amazing. And it has its place. But like why not? take it further exactly and I, I don't understand the attitude when people get funny about those type of things you know we don't go like it's it's funny i don't ever foresee myself putting glitter in beer but it is it is very interesting to see so much like hate like oh, extreme yeah. hate extreme hate you know towards those things you know <laughs> just like and I, I can't understand that in any part of the brewing industry in general it's just um yeah you know because it, it's like I mean, for me, it's like I put all kinds of weird things in beer, so it seems odd that I wouldn't put glitter in beer. <laughs> I mean, Somewhat, I'm a little bit taken aback. <laughs> but it is pretty exceptionally dumb. Mm-hmm. But it's like that. Do you know what? That's I think that's the main thing. It's extra weird. Is is the the emotion that putting weird ingredients in beer brings out of people? Like, why do you hate it that much? It's all it's beer, bro. Like, it's mm-hmm. the most chill, fun thing we could be doing, and you had to get upset about it. Like, I just don't understand why. Like, you know what? Some people like their beers not, like, you don't want to see through it. Like, yeah. F- so, what's, so what? So there's a lot of Pilsners for you, man. Like, oh, keep drinking them. Pilsners. Go drink a clear West Coast IPA. It's mm-hmm. fine. But they just get, they have to have everything their way. You have to let everyone know. I just don't know where that comes from. I don't really understand that purist sort of like, why, why, did, why do people feel the need for, do that, for doing that? It's just, I think, the idea of change in general drives people in saying sometimes mm. but I, I don't i don't know that's a good answer i don't know people come up here a lot we don't brew a lot of pilsners or anything like that yeah, i've never you know? seen like lighter styles no um we used to brew just a basic blonde but it was so basic that people thought it was weird because we had all these <laughs> other strange beers on there and then we just had that um and so it was good but you know we had all these other beers so it was like it actually was our slowest seller <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. What's and, the point? yeah and so we just we actually we brew it maybe once or twice a year now in really small quantities um for like private events for people that i've been doing beer for since i started um and they do like private events every year and that's the beer they want so we right. brew it just for that specific thing every year that's that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Do you do anything fun to it? Like, uh, well, fun meaning, like, you know, do you dry hop it or something? Or is it just like uh, So we do a beer called Hippies in the Hills, which is actually going to come out this Saturday, which is our dry hopped blonde. Um, nice. But it's really just lightly pop, hopped um, with Mosaic and Centennial. Okay. It's not supposed to be anything crazy. It's a 4% beer. We just brew it with SO5. So nice uh, it's 50% wheat, though. Right. Oh, excuse me, 50% oats. So it's a so 100 pound. It's a... Excuse me. It's uh, it's a hundred pounds of oats in it. Right. Yeah, and then and just two bags of two row. I mean, it's pretty. It's such a simple beer, but it's just like it actually remains quite cloudy just from all the oats that are in it. Nice. Um, more than anything, but just like really nice mouthfeel, super easy to drink. But it has like just enough light hop character to it that it doesn't just. I don't want to say the word reek, but it just it doesn't seem like you know your typical blonde. Right. Where it's just like malt, light, you know. Yeah. Um, everything kind of has just a little bit more complexity to it than just something really basic. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, right. I love that. Let me grab you the next thing. Let's do it. I'm loving it. Look at this sexy. Cheers, man. Want the next one? Tiff's with it. Tiff was a bit weirded out by the pickle beer, but not now. Nope. Nope. Not her. That She's like, nice. yeah, that was really good. I never had coconut in a, um, in a light beer before. And uh, that was exceptional. I really enjoyed that one. 
um, man, this is like just such a chill experience. I'm like, I'm really tired. We've been been uh, in Vermont for this is our third day now, I guess, for the um, tourism board stuff, and uh, it's really good. Like just being able to like take it real slow. We don't have a lot on today, so we uh, the last few days have been a little busy, which is cool. But today this is our first sort of uh, appointment of the day, and uh, to be able to sit here on this gorgeous patio with these views and just sip fantastic beer. It's uh, it's a pleasure. I hope the I hope the cat comes back. Yeah, I hope the cat comes back. Yeah, we need the cat around the puppy's here. Puppy's great too. Though. Yeah, the puppy's the super great. cute. I want to talk to the ones. Yeah, really. Remind me of Timon. Timon, yeah, it's our friend Craig's uh, dog it's in San Diego. Nice. I want to. I don't know the name of the one. I don't know what style it is. The what style? Wow, what breed it is? Golden Retriever. No, no, no. The other dog. Um, uh, the one with kind of like it's like an overbite or an underbite. Yeah, like how has. Yeah, but it's not not the big guy. It's yeah, like the, the white one with yeah. it's like a French bulldog or something. Yeah, yeah. Like well, at least it maybe like a mix. Because he wouldn't let me touch him. I was like, oh. oh yeah. And dogs are always like I'm, I love dogs and dogs are always cool. So I think he's just like a non-touchy dog. So now I want to touch him. You know what I mean? If you don't want me to do it, then I want to do it more. It's a bit of a thing, you know. You don't want me to put lactose in beer? Well, goddamn, I'm gonna put all the lactose in all the beer. So our Team Lactose members are just racking up here in Vermont. Did Von Trapp say they were Team Lactose? I don't remember. I think they didn't, though. I think they weren't. No, I, think I think last night they were agnostic, but I think by the end of it we kind of convinced them. Yeah. Yeah, he said he's agnostic, not atheist. So if you guys... Uh, <laughs> agnostic, not atheist. <laughs> um, that, that was a good comment, actually. I like that. Um, so if anyone... I always just want to hear. If anyone's listening to this, and I'd like to know, like, hit us up. Tweet us. Comment on Instagram, just hashtag Team Lactose. You don't even have to say anything. Just go, what is that? Oh my god, a hummingbird? Fuck what? off! Right there. Oh my god. I've never seen one. This is movie shit. It's from the city. Ah, uh, and it went away. I didn't know they were that small. Oh, they're tiny. They're so tiny. Yo, I thought it was like a dragonfly or something. I'm like, nope, it was uh... a. That's alright. You can tell we're uh, we're in a mountain. Oh, yeah. champion. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. That is nuts. What, they just out here like that? Oh, all over the Tiffy's place. Tiffy's back. He's back. He's back. That's a female. She's back. How do you know? Uh, so the... the uh, I'm trying to get you a napkin. Oh, no. Shirt's fine. Babe, get the other camera and get the hummingbird right there. For the vlog. No, we came back. She came back. Sorry. So I, the females are smaller and they have no coloring. And then the males uh, have all the coloring. It's like that's how it is in the world. That's like the peacock world. and stuff. Yeah. Oh, there's this guy. What's this guy's name? This is Gidget. Gidget. Is he like not wanting because he didn't want to like let me touch Just, him before? Uh, he's a little shy. There he is. There yeah. you go. No. He's what's good. his um what's his breed? Uh Australian cattle dog and something else. Yeah, <laughs> Probably he, a little boxer. Yeah, I was gonna say he has that sort of like the, the ears and mm -hmm. the he's a cutie. Oh yeah. All sorts of life uh, wildlife. Maybe we should make a wildlife podcast instead of beer. You know, in the springtime here, it's the amount of birds that are here are unreal. Yeah, um, out of control. So they all nest in the fields, and like you'll you'll be sitting out here, and there'll be a flock of 200, 300 birds just, just flying in the out. trees. Wow. Um, they're actually all yellow finches for the most part, but we have a, a family of swallows that comes back every single year and just lives here. We have actually very little bugs, and I can't attribute to anything, but we have no ticks either. And I think it's partially because we the birds are around. So many birds, it's absurd. Ah. So that's one thing we did notice here um, over the last few days. 
the bugs have been like insane. Mm -hmm. Like even at Von Trapp, like we couldn't even sit outside for a while. He said they called them gnats of these little yeah, black, the black things, gnats, and mm -hmm. they just kept like biting us. I'd never seen them before. Yeah. So we had to go inside, and they were like, "Ah, oh, it's just the time." It's been just been rain or something, yeah. so they sort of brought them all out. It's just it's been so humid and hot this summer too. Typically, like dry heat, you don't get too much, but this summer's just been it's been Crazy. brutal. Yeah. yeah, it's been pretty brutal. We get the same weather with, with, as you guys. Mm -hmm. It's been the worst. We yeah, don't have AC at home, and like mm -hmm. lasted all summer instead of going away. Instead of just in that, yeah, they, or they kind of didn't come until like August, and then they oh, yeah. went like hard. Yeah, like we just need we to have no AC in the tiny house either, and that thing just cooks. It's like yeah. an oven in there. <laughs> I bet it's just like <laughs> roasting yeah, eight by there. eight by eighteen. Jeez, mm -hmm. is it just like a bachelor? Uh, it's a one bedroom still. It's uh, it's one bedroom, but it's you know we have it broken off. Like we have a whole bathroom in the whole thing. Like we have our own shower, um, two person shower built into it. Nice. Um, so it was she built it originally about six years ago with an ex partner, and then she bought it off of him, and I renovated the whole thing for through a summer, just gutted the thing completely. Um, did it all fresh? Yeah, I did it all fresh. I mean, it's just kind of like I mean that's just how I I know how to do. I mean, we built this deck in two weeks. That's crazy. Um, Deck is probably the word I was looking for before. I don't know why I was trying to describe what this was. Yeah, pergola. Out. It's a pergola, technically. Pergola? Okay. Yeah, that's what you would call it. So an open top deck would be a pergola. Okay. Um, we don't have any vines or anything growing up. That's typically the telltale sign. Yeah, of a brewery, yeah. right? <laughs> maybe maybe but, not yet. No, we just, you know, I got so many projects. It's always like, you know, I finish one, even though there's like maybe a couple little things I need to finish on. I'm like, I got to go to the next, next time. I'm done. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> this is good enough. No, no, no need for vines. No, this is great. So, All right, what we got here, brother? So this is the Lavendula. It's a Lavender Goes. Um, so Tastes mama love this one. Yep. And so it's just a little bit of lavender. It's about a pound of lavender tea um, that we use, and we add it directly at flame out of the boil. Okay. Um, and then the rest of it, you know, it's just a sea salt. We sour it the exact same way with yogurt. Um, and so it's got a nice saltiness to it, nice and crisp. Definitely a hint of lavender in there. Um, not overwhelming in any essence. Love it. Smells fantastic. Cheers, Cheers. bro. Cheers. Hell yeah. That's really creamy too. Like super salty. Sometimes gozas can kind of go uh, either way. It's like sort of not salty enough. Yeah, or like, not tart enough or, or tart anything. Enough. Or I find that a lot of times too, they can be overly tart. Yeah, sometimes I've had gozas that hit me like a sour. Yeah. This is like it's there. But it's like it blends in nicely with the salt and the the lavender is kind of more in the nose and in the the body. Exactly, it's fantastic. So lavender can be a weird thing because yeah. it, um, it's typically used as a you know a like floral spice. Yeah. And so if you don't buy the right lavender, you can get some like weird characters from it. So you yeah. have to buy culinary lavender because uh, um, there is like the stuff they put in soaps and like exactly. Right, so um, and culinary different. lavender typically has a sweeter character to it and more of a fruitiness okay. and a spice to it. Um, sometimes it can even taste like blueberry. I think oh, this batch nice. doesn't taste as blueberry as the last one, but um, if we didn't tell you it was lavender, sometimes it's like straight blueberry. It's just right, what it tastes like. It. It's odd, you know, but it's a really cool ingredient. It's fun. Um, and the lavender started obviously in the lavender porter, um, which we don't really do anymore. It's right, just, we, I probably have over 150 beers, and so it's just it's like, like uh, <laughs> I can't do that? everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could, but mm -hmm. then... We'd miss out on other weird fun stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. See the photo? 
Lavender, I love it. Yeah, so it's such a, um, what made you do the, the, the lavender porter in the first place? Because even just the, the idea of doing something like that seems like super left field. That was way, way left field when I first started yeah. too. I don't know, I, I don't really ha know why. I think one day I was just, I think I was talking to my sister and I was like, what, what could I put in beer? You know, that's, like, that's really what it started. It was like, what, what do you think I can put in? That would taste good. And she, we were thinking of all these spices and herbs and she was like, lavender. And I was like, oh, interesting. I, I, think, I think I could put that in a porter and it would work and you know it did it just it wasn't overwhelming it wasn't the main character of the beer was it in the nose like this one and not yep. so much in the body yep, yep. Um, it just you know worked with the chocolatiness of it and everything it kind of almost tasted more like a like a you know a chocolate right. um, with lavender in it which I've had a bunch before but That's I've had a bunch thing. that I did not enjoy <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, That's a normal thing, eh? Yeah. Lavender chocolate. I don't think I've ever seen that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, they put anything in chocolate now, too. I guess, right? Yeah. Like, why not chuck it in? Yeah, exactly. So I guess it made sense to put it in something like a chocolatey beer, like a porto. Yeah, that's just kind of the thought. I think initially a lot of those beers started out was like, how do I emulate some kind of candy or chocolate or something like that that um, I can fit back into the beer? Mm -hmm. I think that's where the mindset started first when I was picturing most of those beers. Like the sea salt caramel coconut porter. Um, oh, that's the one you have that on now. Yeah, right? we'll be trying that one. Um, it just was kind of like, how do we put these things together? You know, um, you make a chai porter too. Nice. Um, and actually, this fall we're going to be doing a triple series of everything. So we're going to be doing a triple coconut porter, nice, and a triple sea salt porter, and then a triple chai porter. Wow! Um, it'll be kind of like our winter fun stuff for those beers. Like um, eight, nine, ten percent. Yeah, they will probably be about ten percent. Ten. Yeah, we just we just brewed a batch of uh, what we call hand warmer, which is um, it's an imperial maple stout that's ten percent that we brew with maple syrup right from down the road. We actually used to produce all of our own maple syrup here, but we got out of that industry. It just was Whole thing. just too much work for me to do this and that. So yeah. um, it's easier just to work with my neighbor right down the road. And so that one uses two gallons of syrup per barrel. And so nice. it's like wicked it. rich. Yeah. Yeah, wicked rich. And so and we only do it in really small quantities um, and maybe like twice a year. But like we're, I've been craving stouts. It's like my thing. Right. And so I actually haven't really brewed any stouts for probably <laughs> three or four months right now. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, and people used to come up here all the time and be like, "Wow!" You know, during the middle of the summer, we'd have six, six, <laughs> six porters and stouts on, um, and that's completely changed now. You know, the way the market has shifted and everything. Um, I guess they went. Did they move? They don't move as well as the IPAs. Of course not. Yeah, I mean, like the thing is, the thing about a lot of porters and stouts is like you go and I think a lot of people going in package stores are um, looking to grab stuff to take home or something and. Um, might have to be catchy, but a lot of people have this, still have this uh, thing about stouts, thinking that they're not going to enjoy them. And in the summer? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, there's definitely days that I don't think that anybody would enjoy a stout. I think it kind of can screw with the flavor and everything, but um, for me, it's like I drink them year-round. doesn't matter. Yeah. 10%, it could be 30 degrees Celsius outside, you like... Whatever. Yeah, I mean, before I really got into beers, all I used to drink was Guinness, just which is oh, yeah? an awful beer, you know. <laughs> but that's all I drank, you know. And people were just amazed by it because, like, you know, I would drink five or six, and I, you know, they were like, "How do you do that?" And I was like, "This doesn't taste like anything." It kind of doesn't. No, like it's not even like there's no chocolatey vibes. It's just like this silky. It's like a nice mouthfeel. Yeah, that's about yeah. it. Other than yeah. that, it's very watery. Yeah, yeah. super watery. Mm -hmm. But if I, I remember as a amateur like long before the craft beer stuff when i was like feeling adventurous went to an irish pub and i was like i'm not gonna have a stella tonight i'm gonna 
try a Guinness and like you get the little like a half pint or whatever and I was always like no it's kind of doesn't taste like it's slightly kind of bitter and stuff and that's kind of it mm -hmm. so it's like just inoffensive yeah and exactly and, yeah and nothing so I like I'm, I appreciate the stats and it was a good it was a good push into it is how I felt hmm. yeah. um, cool. more or less than anything and then I mean that's even gosh until like a year and a half ago um, I'd still say over 50% of what we were brewing like we just brewed four dark beers in a row right now so we're not even going to have a whole lot of IPAs or anything like that coming out in the next month and a half most of, most of it's going to be dark beer but it will satisfy the people that have been begging me for it <laughs> for the last three months now Right. Um, and so we'll hold on to most of it for here so that we can have it here for a while I mean that's actually the biggest problem we always are just dealing with is like how do we balance what we send out to market and what we keep here because um, we always want to keep the biggest variety we can here but it's always like you, you know we want to get the <clears throat> we want to sell the beer when it's fresh right that's always the biggest goal you know you want people to have fresh beer um and so it's just a balance it's a balance of everything it's kind of tough are you selling kegs out like you to licensees or it's mostly packaged so packages? we definitely do mostly packaged okay. i'd say probably 80 percent of what we sell is packaged okay um and then we push out quite a few kegs locally um and down to like word the burger is a big one um, we sell down to White River Junction down there. There's a place called Big Fatties. And then um, just here and there up to Burlington, um, some pizza shops in Montpelier um, and Waterbury. And then, you know, it slowly trickles up to Burlington. Yeah. Um, it hasn't really been a main concentration of us. No. Um, just because, you know, for us, it's, it's, it's much easier to find the shelf space than it is to find the draft. Hmm. Um, I've heard that. It's kind of how it always has been, but now bars are definitely more receptive. Like they have way more rotationals. So pretty much most bars are just like always rotating their taps. Almost no one has continuous taps anymore in the state. There's right. like three or four breweries that have, you know, that's, they just stay on all the time. Um, it's just not heard of anymore. Right. It's because people want different things. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. You know, maybe five years ago, that still, it wasn't even like it is now. Um, but it's really turned into that's like, okay, well, I want to go there because I want to see what's new, mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, maybe people like the staple things and things like that. There's definitely people that come from out of state and they, like, want to grab one specific thing every single time they go to our place or something like that. But um, the majority of people, I'd say, from, you know, Vermont just like the idea, you know? It's the same thing that I feel. is like, you know, I want to explore my palate and, um, you know, you never know what you're going to like and what you're not going to like and you know what's a pint of beer right you know it's not uh, it's not like a bottle of wine when you drop in like yeah. particularly at a restaurant you might drop in 15 yeah. bucks or something exactly to try something that could be trash whereas mm -hmm. like yeah five bucks like yeah it's good yeah exactly and most bars will give you a sample anyway mm -hmm. like even if it's not a full thing or you can get like a flight yeah exactly even at like a beer bar i'm pretty sure right yep, a lot most of them bars do that, do that yeah, yeah. people are happy to do that and yeah, that is the cool thing about about the, the craft beer world. People do want that variety, and it's important. So it probably... It helps like, all the breweries, too. I mean, right. I think it's, like, what helps everybody flourish. Yeah. Because um, if everybody was just buying the same thing every time, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to get into that market then. You know, yeah. it's hard to break into it versus, um, you know, when we started, there really hasn't been very many new breweries in the state in the last year and a half yeah. or so. But when I started... Uh, just that year, I started in 2014, and I think 10 breweries opened that year, wow. and then 10 opened the next year, and then I think almost another 10 opened the next, and then it just kind of fell off all of a sudden. Um, and now it's kind of, I kind of see it coming back again. Right. It's like, you know, now there's starting to be more hyper-local stuff 
is okay. really what it is. I think it's these smaller breweries that are starting that are really trying to sell on a very local basis. Like they're in a town area like Randolph right. and they're trying to sell just to the town, um, which can be hard too, because it's more or less, you need the town support behind you. You need people to support your local brew pub and things like that. For sure. Um, it's different up here. Like we want this, this is just totally more like a destination place. Like that's right. what we've always wanted here. Um, no, we get our locals and everything like that, but we're also not pouring full pours up here. We don't have food. We don't have those things. Um, we only pour full pours on Saturdays because we have a food truck that comes up. Is that a, a legal thing? Yeah. Technically, if you want to serve full pours, you have to have food. Okay. Um, Even for a tap room? Yeah. Huh. So our tap room is technically in and out traffic. You know, samples, you buy a growler, you leave type of thing. Gotcha. So, um, it's a bit more easy to, to navigate the regulatory end by doing it that way. And it's just for our sanity too, you know, we don't want to run a bar up here. Yeah, it'd be a nightmare. Yeah, it'd be a nightmare. Absolutely. <laughs> I think my neighbors <laughs> so, would hate me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're kind of far. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. To be honest, it wouldn't be noisy to be the car. I guess that's true. Yeah. It's a bit different, like the apartment upstairs, knocking like, hey, keep it down. Um, yeah, it's a total different, different vibe like that. I didn't know about the, uh, the full pour law because I know every area has their own weird thing would you consider yourself then that hyper local bar or not really or brewery brew pub yeah i'd say pretty close to that you know brockle bank's kind of in the same setting they're kind of in some wooded area um but you know they pull a ton of locals every week and it's the same thing like they don't serve full pours or anything it's just samples okay um and they fill growlers and i mean they have a massive massive following right um, locally locally yeah would but you they're tiny they- they're still small. Okay, so do you, do you, does that what it feels like here, or it's a bit of a mix? Cause you it's a bit look. of a mix. We definitely get a lot of out-of-staters that come here, um, a lot of people traveling down from Burlington. I mean, we have a guest book in there, and it's like people from all over the world, though. Right. You know, um, and that's kind of what we want. You know, you know, the locals, we definitely get the locals and everything, but I actually find that the locals like buying, they'll even buy our beer. To trade? Mm, well, no, they'll buy our beer, but they'll buy it in town. They don't want to drive up here to buy it. So they, no idea. I don't want to say laziness, but like, I don't know what it is. You know, it's like, so we sell to the package stores in town and that's where they buy it. Okay. And so. I mean, cause maybe they can get a full pack of that along with some, the rest of the stuff they're buying rather than have to go to one place to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I get that as well. I guess it sort of depends. Like sometimes there's something, I don't know if it matters as much, but like, you know, is there, are you putting more money in the pocket of the brewery if you buy it direct? type of thing i don't know if it makes that much of a difference i don't i don't it, i don't think so i mean it it depends on the scale of things but right. um you know for our size and everything it's you know our our thing has always been like how do we reach the state without being too big right and that's the thing like we don't ever want to sell outside vermont that's 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 a very true goal of mine is i never want to get so big that we have to push outside vermont okay um and that's just kind of like maybe my soul of being a Vermonter and how I see the beer industry. And I think that every time somebody starts selling out of state, um, excuse like me, something changes. Well, I think what <clears> happens <throat> too is it drives less people to come here because because then they can just they can it get it anywhere. You know, if you don't have to come to Vermont, and it's um, I think you know it's 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 actually one thing I think the Alchemists really helped the beer industry in Vermont do is they never sold out of state for the most part. I mean, I every once in a while they sell some right? beer out, but yeah. you know, it's not on like a regular distribution and it's made people have to come to Vermont and because they went to the Alchemist, they went to that package store and they saw something else they wanted to try or something like that. And I think it really helped grow everybody's brewery. Mm. And I think there's a point of like, 
for us, it's like we don't, you know, we're never going to be millionaires or anything like that. But we, you know, we just want to make a nice living. And, you know, we want to follow that that trend. Like, I don't want to call it a trend, but that idea of like, you know, we want to help the next people in line. And we hope that that's a possibility. Right. Um, because you do, you know, the more people we have coming to the state, you know, to try beer, the better it is for everybody. Yes. Um, more or less than anything. So that's really just, you know, that's my thought process on never wanting to leave Vermont. I get it. Mm-hmm. And beer tourism is a real thing. It's huge. That's why we're here for this. We're yeah. with the Vermont Tourism Board because the idea is that you know, we're talking to, and this specifically, um, I don't know if you know, his, his name was Tim who worked, he doesn't work there anymore. He specific, I mean, I knew, we knew each other anyway, mm-hmm. but like he, he wanted us to talk to you. I was like, well, good excuse. Yeah. But there was like, he wanted to promote, use this opportunity to promote uh, breweries. Like, you know, he was like, I, we could have gone and tried to talk to Lawson's or someone or whatever, but like, they they have enough kind of promo, so it makes more sense to to promote these other things. I know that the people are watching because they want to find out where. Okay, I, where am I going to go next? Yeah, and that's what. And I do that too as a drinker. Like I'm like, all right, I see whatever other people are talking about. I'm like, well, that looks sick. Let's go there for. Well, it's funny, you know. It's it's it takes a long time for things to get out, and even then, things are still hidden. I mean, there's people that live three miles from here, and they still don't know so a brewery lives here. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> hey, you can't win them all, right? Yeah. Bit by bit. Oh, when not you say? We're here? Yeah. I was about to ask. I've been thinking about the hummingbird the whole time. You're right. I've been thinking about the hummingbird. Look at that. Guys, I'm really sorry, but it's like I'm from Australia and we do not have hummingbirds. And I've watched these things in movies my entire life. So like to see a hummingbird like right in front of me is crazy fam. Ah, missed him. Again, distracted. Shoot us a uh, tweet if you've ever seen a hummingbird. <laughs> Maybe you make a hummingbird bill. They're just like the most coolest little creatures. Beautiful. I just didn't know they were that small. Like they, they are tiny. It's like not much bigger than like a dragonfly type of thing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Your mom's going to love that la- la- lavender bill. I know, right? I know. Tiff's mom loves uh, lavender. Every time we go to a winery, she's always like yanking the, yanking the, <laughs> yanking the lavender and the backseat of the car is covered in lavender every time. So it's honestly my favorite. It's so consistent. Yes, we get it from that. Get another lavender beer. Oh, yeah. You think she'll like it? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I thought she would enjoy that. Shouts to Clover. Um, yeah, I just really like, uh, I think these hummingbirds, uh, the whole business is, is amazing. What was it doing when you said putting on a show? It was just like, it was it like, came right perfectly right there where I needed it. Did you get some good footage? Yeah. Oh, they have, he's like, uh, there's like, I don't know, flowers and stuff everywhere here. There's, um,. <laughs> I don't know what kind of flowers they are. They kind of look like what I would call like a little bit different. They look like the gerbers we used to get in Australia, like just big colorful things. So it's like a flower pot right next to where we're recording. And uh, Mans is out here just wiling, getting all the pollen. It's crazy out here, ladies and gentlemen. It's crazy. But I like the, hi- the hyper-local stuff is a, is a good conversation. I like it, particularly here. Like this is crazy remote. Like I said, we got no phone reception. Um, we had to go up of dirt. Excuse me, uh, right up a dirt road, up a mountain. He was saying on the way back, we're sort of like in the middle of it, so we can go over the mountains on the way out. It's, uh, it's quite the scenic destination. This is exactly what you want. If you're going to come to a brew pub, you want an experience. And this, my friends, is a gosh darn experience. It's fantastic. I love it. It's exactly. And then, do you know what? I only really like seen, I only saw sunflowers for the first time at Fuduni. Uh, like I don't know a few weeks like a month ago in Dunham and they had them on this farm here so like 
I just didn't know that was just so crazy and tall. Uh oh, that's the haze. There it is. There it is. Yes, I love this one. I feel like this is a juicier batch than the last time, eh? I didn't think it was this hazy, was it? Uh, this is definitely, yeah, so we kind of switch up the hops a little bit every time. Okay. Is it a different, like, version, say, on, uh, like, untapped type of thing? Do you, like, red? Like, no, we don't even fall, like, I don't even go on my untapped ever. I'm just too busy to even deal with that stuff. That <laughs> Oh, that smells so, I swear it was like, it wasn't this creamy. So it's, it's, it's evolved over time. So the first time we brewed it, so it's a collaboration beer um, oh. with our friends. Yeah, so I, uh, I have these two friends. They both don't live in Vermont mm -hmm. anymore. Um, and they invited me over to a friend's house in Moortown. During the winter, they were all jamming out and everything. And over there said hi, and I met this guy named Adam, which was their really good friend from high school. Right. And two weeks after I met him, he passed away in a car accident. It was like wow. the craziest thing. Nicest guy, like one of the nicest people I ever met. Um, loved my beer. And, you know, it was the only time I had ever met him my whole life. And then like a month after they, they approached me and they're like, hey, we really want to do something for a fundraiser um, for a scholarship. And I was like, definitely, let's do it. And um, so they came, you know, we collaborated. One of the two guys was a home brewer. And we collaborated. He came here and we kind of came up with a recipe. Um, and we brewed it for the first time, and so now we're donating. First time we brewed it, we donated 100% of the profits, and now we're donating 10% of every time we brew it to this uh, music scholarship Fantastic. out at Mississauga Valley. So it's turned into a really popular beer. So we're actually brewing it like almost five times a year now. Okay, um, that's sick, man. And so yeah, it's really it's changed. Um, it started out with. Um, yeah, this is the original label. This original label, okay. Yep. And so it started out, that's what it was, used to be. And now this last batch was Galaxy, Citra, Belma. Mm, what else? Something else? Uh, Mosaic, I think El Dorado. Okay. And Azaka. That was um, a lot of hops. Yeah. Symphony of hops. Well, one of the, the next next one I'm going to bring you is 10. 10? 10 different hops. <laughs> so it looks like there's, only, there's still only the one uh, on top thing. Just like... For curiosity's sake, um, no, that's super cool. I love that. So, by the way, for the uh, podcast listeners, I always forget sometimes because you know, we're talking to a camera. But this is the called Better Everyday IPA, five point eight. This uh, this is gorgeous. Cheers, man. Cheers. Oh, Tiff's like not yet. Oh hell yes, got that yeasty bite to it. Yep, super creamy. Is this pretty green still, or is this, um... This one's been sitting two weeks. Two weeks? Mm-hmm. It's a nice spot. Yeah, man, this is fantastic. Yeah, I think even another week's gonna sit out a little better, but it just, like... I think I just got the, the yeast right after, like... Yeah. Three beers in a row. And so, like, you know, and sometimes we find, too, it depends on specifically, like, the blends of hops. So, the blends of hops... So, we're using one yeast strain. We're using, um, London... Excuse me. We're using London Fog. Okay. Um, from White Labs for everything. Um, and we use brand new yeast every time. So the problem too that with all these yeast strains that are coming out now, like everybody used to harvest yeast. Um, do you do any of that stuff? Can't anymore. Not with these types of yeast because they don't settle out properly. And so what happens is you get like the bad yeast that settles out. And so if you try to pitch it again, it doesn't create the same flavor profile um, that you got from the first end. So unfortunately now all these breweries, unless you have a propagation system and you have a lab and all this, um, we're kind of stuck with buying brand new yeast pitches every single time we want to brew, which the yeast people love, you know, they're making, you know, money off us doing that, but right. it's the only way to get a consistent flavor profile from the yeast every single time. 
because um, you might be able to hit it. You know, a lot, some people are also doing blending, so they're blending like they'll take a, a third of their batch or a fifth of their batch and they'll blend it into another beer to pitch it essentially um, to make sure they get enough of the yeast that they want for that character that's going to come I through. That's what you mean, so you have to actually like, take a whole bunch of it. As yeah, because it just, because what stays in, in solution and creates, you know, the haze mm. and the color and all that stuff, um, you can't just get from a normal dump. So, like, right. all of our sours, we just use, you know, uh, a simple um, safale yeast. So we just put a 500-gram brick in it. And we don't, that stuff's so cheap that we're like, you know, we just use new yeast every time. It just yeah. makes more sense for us. It just yeah. also is a quality control thing that we don't have to worry about it. Um, and if there ever is an issue, we can point it towards the lab, you know. Like, it's not something from our end that, you know, we were harvesting five, six batches, and then all of a sudden something happened, and it was like, oh, wow, that was definitely on us. Right. Um, it's just a it's just a consistency thing more okay. than anything. So it's not, would it, if you did, if you were able to create a house yeast or house blend or whatever, mm-hmm. would that be more consistent because it's sort of like something that you've, like, nailed down to, like, I like this profile well, the other thing, too, is that <clears throat> your yeast works in your water different ways. So, like, the yeast will transform to work well with your water. And so if we could potentially do that, you know, we brewed it five, six times, you know, um, the yeast can transform just to work with your beer how it needs to. You know, it's going to find the easiest path, essentially. Wow. Um, this is fantastic. Sorry. This is it's beautiful. all right. I love it. Um, and so that's kind of the idea, you know, these, you know, most of the big breweries, that's what they do though. You know, they culture all their own yeast and everything, yeah. you know, um, and then they have a lab store for them, you know, white labs, Y yeast. Um, so they can always get it. So if something ever goes wrong, they can always, you know, repitch it yeah. and it is theirs, you know, and like it's their strain, you know, like the alchemist, you know, they started out using Conan, but now it's their strain. It's Conan. Theirs, right? Yeah. And that's why they have, they have this sort of like, this, 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 this common flavor through all of their beers that... It's like every time you could try a blind, oh, and that's Alchemist beer. And mm-hmm. that's because of the yeast? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. Wasn't 100% sure where that was coming from, but a lot of that, there's like similar characteristics across yeast, pretty much Yeast, water, you know, those yeah. are probably the two biggest things that it's like an initial mouthfeel character to it. Mm. And like, if it's through every single beer, that's kind of really what's playing into that. Right, right. Um, you know, malt definitely plays a part in it, but I mean, obviously water's probably the, the biggest right? factor. And yeah. then um, the yeast can really change the beer a lot. I mean, the, you can use sour, you know, sour yeast. You can use wild yeast to do lots of different things. So it really can affect the beer in many different ways. Some people disagree with that. But, like, um, I find in particular that with all these IPAs where the yeast is really, like, it's in solution somewhat still. The bulk majority of the yeast is gone. Um, but they leave a lot of fruity characters and things like that. And, you know, it's funny. When we first started, we were brewing IPAs that were hazy and we were having people come up to us and be like, these are yeast bombs. I'm not drinking that. And I'd be like, no, they're not. There's nothing wrong with that beer. Um, we had a familiar. couple locals and I was like, I had to like, you know, explain, get, yeah, explain it to them. And they're like, no, 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 no. You don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, it's fine. No, yeah. No worries, man. No worries. There's plenty of clear uh, <laughs> IPAs out there. But it was, you know, un- come until now, like, yeah, like... two, three years ago, it was unheard of. And so... Really, eh? Yeah. Like, they really... I guess it was like two or three years ago when it started to really pop off. Yeah. And it became like... It got to the point, too. Like, it's still going to that point. Like, I mean, sometimes, like, this beer is very, you know, very hazy. Um, there's some that, you know, look like straight OJ, you know, yeah. sometimes. And... This isn't too far off, though. No. It's not that far off that. I love this shit, though. This is, like, the best to me. And this is, like... And you guys do it some of the best. Like, Vermont 
like you guys, uh, I guess the Vermont IPA is different to the New England IPA, I guess, but this whole region like invented this shit. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's like it's what yeah. you guys do, it just almost, it, it's kind of strikes me as weird that a local would be like, what's up with this? Unless it's an older person or whatever, but um, it just seems like this. If you're from Vermont, like, I feel like everywhere I go, if I if someone gives me a clear IPA, but like, what's up here? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Like it blew my mind and be like, something's wrong with yeah, this. Yeah, something's beer. wrong it's with clear. this. Beer. I'm taking that back. <laughs> Just pour some yeast in there. Sprinkle some lactose, maybe. Like yeah, is it like are people not hip to that yet? Is that not, or is it still uh, this? Well, I think people are definitely becoming more hip to that. Like, you know, it used to be like when we were brewing beers like that. When people used to come up here, it used to be like. Not very many people were doing it, and like at the same time, we were brewing hazing beers, and we weren't necessarily trying to either. Hmm. And so um, it was a combination of the yeast we were using and the hops that we were using, um, and we were coming up. And at sometimes, you know, we were embarrassed because we were like, we you know, like beer wasn't like that, you yeah. know, and <laughs> like people were coming up here, and like we were afraid of being judged okay. by people coming up here and really? trying it. Five years ago, yeah, and so. Um, it's weird, you know. Now it's it's so acceptable that it's demanded and yeah, people line I up mean, for it. And no one questions it ever. You know, no. it's like people come up here and they'll say, you know, uh, which one are New England IPAs? You know, that's what they want to try. That's what they get asked for. Yeah, and we'll be like, okay, well, all of these are. Oh, so <laughs> oh, we are in New England. So. Yeah. <laughs> how many like how many other breweries were doing it, whether it's locally or within New England? Like, say five years ago, because I only discovered them like two years ago. Not really anybody. No. I mean, and we didn't so we didn't even know what it was. I mean, we used to, you know, now we joke. We we're like, we were brewing this before mm-hmm. we even knew what it was, yeah. and we didn't even know what to <laughs> call it. And um, so you think before Trillium, before Treehouse, for. Yeah, um, night shift. I mean, we like I told you, it was very specific beers um, that we were brewing it that way. It was definitely not all of our beers. We were brewing a lot of clear IPAs still. Um, it was actually most of our single hop IPAs. We're clear. No, we're we're not clear. Huh. Okay. And um, actually, Tony, who just left, we had one beer in particular called it uses the Belma hops. Okay. Excuse me. Um, and the beer was just, it was so cloudy. It didn't matter. You could let that beer sit for 10 months and it just it wouldn't drop. Wouldn't drop. <laughs> and it was amazing. The beer tasted great, but it looked horrendous at the time compared to anything else that we had. Right. And we couldn't understand it. And me, you know, I contacted the hop company being like, this is what's happening. You know, what's going on? Why, why isn't this beer clearing? I was like, is there like a specific kind of oil in this, this hop or something? And it, it was. It was amazing. I mean, at the time, we just had no clue. I mean, and we tried to figure it out, and eventually we just gave up, and then eventually it was like, all of a sudden it was like, everybody was brewing these things, and we're like, okay, well, this isn't a bad thing then, (laughs) you know? Um, And it tasted, they tasted great. That was the other thing, like extremely fruity, very bubblegummy, and it kind of turned us off. Like, we actually didn't brew those beers very often, because we were, I don't know, way embarrassed of it. It was like, it was like, something's not right. You know, something's not right with this. Right. Um... But in the end, it turned out, you know, maybe we were on the forefront of something that we didn't even know about. <laughs> I mean, more or less than anything. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and then it just kind of has slowly progressed itself. I mean, to the point where, like, over the last year, like, we've really changed a lot of our beer recipes to fit that New England-style profile. Right. Um, and just because, like, we started to enjoy it more, you know, and it started being like, wow, I really like this. And it's like, how can we always make this better? My girlfriend is always, she she gets on my case a lot because I'm very much the type of person where I always like changing things a little bit because I always feel there's always a way to make something a little bit better. Right. 
and she'll be like, you need to stop doing that. I'm like, but that's the point of progression. It's like, you know, if, if, if there's something you can do to tweak it a little bit, you should, because right. if you're not, you're never progressing and you're never, it goes back to like, you're not learning anything further. Mm. Um, and I think from a customer's base too, you know, like that can be a little tough, but at the same time, it's like, we're always trying to strive for, you know, exceptional product. And, you know, we always have the idea in mind of that we're trying to make something better. Um, and it's small stuff. Like, right. the, it's always been like, you know, it's like tweaks, not tweets. Like, yeah, switching yeast profiles. Like, we've used a bunch of different yeasts. You know, we've used Conan. We've used just White Labs California. That's what we started on. Right. Um, we recently just switched to the London Fog. You know, within the last year, we switched to the London Fog, and that's now what we use exclusively for all of our IPAs. It's um, because we like the profile of it. You know, and then it's comes to hops like so we slowly started transitioning to a little bit different hops and this and that like i actually just used galaxy for the first time ever three four months ago right um in the next beer that i'll give you um and it was like it's like mind-blowing i was like wow how have i not used <laughs> this before it's uh, it just takes over mm-hmm. yeah it was just you know it's and that's that comes it's back to the help. fun part of thing for me, yeah right it? um the experimental like doing the same thing every day mm-hmm. like you wouldn't last long in a cubicle Cause it's nope. the same shit every day. Like I'm with that. I, I totally get that. I think it's cool. It's a cool like that experimental ethos or like like I said, spirit before is is what's gonna push the movement of craft beer forward. Yeah, you and have you keep to keep on the same thing, man. Like it's boring for you. It's boring for the drinkers. I mean, at the end of the day, you're a drinker too. Oh yeah. So you're going. I mean, you don't go too many, but <laughs> you went to a bar and you had the same things. That you're not gonna go. Oh, give me that Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Like it's mm-hmm. you're not gonna do that. You're gonna you're going to be trying the different stuff and. You want to see what other people, you know. It's well, just, it's, you know, it's on too, though, is I'm friends with a lot of older people that are probably, you know, 30-plus years older than me. And it's interesting drinking with them because they very much like the traditional stuff. And it's good for me also. Um, I was like, what is that? <laughs> it's good for me because, you know, I can kind of still, like, I have to see why he likes those beers so much or somebody likes those beers so much because um, the malt, you know, that's what it is. I mean, now we're not really brewing those beers that way anymore but it's good to see that and like i really think that's a huge part of beer is like you have to have some basic understanding of the past of beer in order to produce good beer now facts mm-hmm. much respect i feel like there's a lot of uh, alignment with music yeah. i see in this a lot we are you do into music much love, love yeah. music like we, we listen do, to a bunch of yours oh perfect yeah but we get the point so we do hip-hop stuff yeah. and we were like you know we're now 30s and we were sort of doing we came up in the 90s when hip-hop was a certain way and then all of a sudden, everything changed over the last few years. And for a while, I was super publicly always just like, yeah, these kids are so trash, they don't mumble rap. But now I'm like, you got to just be like, all right, in order to progress, that's where it's gone. So let me put my spin on, like, even if you see any, like, the older, like, older is not the right word, but, like, you know, the, the 90s dudes come back and then maybe taking a trap beat. Like, he roasts the 5'9 over, like, a yeah. trap beat. I'm like, that's how you do it, because he's just taking what the kids are doing and then using incorporating that so it's like but the kids don't always know their history that's the other thing so it's really cool that you said that because I feel like it's like you have to know and have to respect that's where beer came from that's where that's why we are where we are today so let's see if we can use that and then plus the crazy new things and bring all those learnings together and it applies to almost everything yeah it's a very it's a very good um, cool like metaphor for it because mm-hmm. I, I was that grumpy dude saying no lactose yeah and then all of a sudden i was like why i'm just i was happier when i let go and i was like well, yeah, you love okay. bells do i love bells yeah. milk Michigan? shark 
Oh, Bellwoods? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Milkshake's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And the new one comes out tomorrow. <laughs> I think Sorry. I've, I don't know if I've ever had their, uh, had had, their stuff. I think I might have had one of them when I was up in Kingston, and that's it. Yeah, what'd you have? I can't even remember now. Bellwoods, that Bellwoods is sick. Mm-hmm. Like, if they were, man, I wish I had, like, I haven't been, we're going there tomorrow for a wedding. They're in Toronto, back, right? They're in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if there's a place you could go, like, that would be the one. They do the best haze in uh, Ontario, in my, well, in Canada, potentially. Interesting. Except for the West Coast. Yeah. This, it, the reason why we make a big deal about it, because no one else was doing it. Yeah. So then we're like, Well, oh. it is. It's, that's, that's the thing. It's like, in Kingston, even Stone City's beers weren't that hazy. They didn't, no. They were still very on the light end of things. Yes. It was very, it was good. That's a good conversation when you come back, actually. Yeah, recently, um, Mike went to Kingston and uh, Stone City. He's got some mates out there. I think Justin just left. So Justin was our friend who's the, uh, who oh, I believe was the head brewer at Stone City. And I've always wanted to get the podcast going and it didn't work out. But so just because it's just, we we're trying to get Scott and I there at the same time. And now uh, Justin's actually started his own brewery with his girlfriend and another partner. Uh, called Matron Fine Beer out in Prince Edward County, uh, which is super cool. So I think that'll be exceptional because the Stone City Goza Yacht Rock was by far like my favorite Goza I've ever had. It was like a big haze bomb. Like it was just phenomenal. Loved it. And I like seeing, uh, you know, people out here um, going to getting up to Canada and getting to see what we're doing out there I think it's uh, something that isn't super common because if you're in Vermont think about it right if you're in Vermont like you don't really feel like you need to go that many other places you've got like some of the best options uh, around it's crazy so like why would you need to leave necessarily Um, I, I completely get it so you know it's just kind of like one of those things. Um, I like to see that, though. I definitely like to uh, to see the Americans go and switch it up. Alrighty. So this one we don't have in cans right now because we no. sold out. No worries. What's this one? This is Imagination Over Existence. Like this is that. actually the second rendition that we've done of it. Okay. Um, the first rendition we did, it was probably almost a year ago now. Um, and it was the first time we really ever experimented with wheat Ooh, and oats nice. in beer. Okay. And um, we, I think I believe at the time we were using Vermont ale yeast from Gig Yeast. Okay. Um, and then I think the initial, the initial hops we were using it was Amarillo and Citra Mosaic. Um, second time we brewed it now, it's Galaxy, Simcoe, Amarillo, Citra, Mosaic, Belma, Centennial, Eldorado, Azaka. Damn. It's a uh, symphony. Yeah. And it's just like, we loved it. I mean, it was like one of those beers, you know, that we brewed and um, we we're like, oh, wow. Yeah. That one noted. It's a double IPA? This is a double IPA. So this like one's 8%. Eight? So I thought, it feels like an Ada. Mm-hmm. Well, mate, cheers. Cheers. To hummingbirds. Didn't see Lots of hummingbirds. Mm. Oh yeah, that's ballsy. Definitely got that wheat yeasty bite. Super smooth though. There's a um there's like this flavor in there 
that's sort of I can never sort of tell the difference. So I always look at it is in the there's the Trillium mm-hmm. Chalky New England, and then yeah. there's the Treehouse who has a bit more of this like mm-hmm. I don't know if dank is the word. There's like the, and there's a little bit of both in this. I don't know if I've ever had. So that I find Treehouse, excuse me, I find Trillium to be very like the the aggressiveness of the fruit in the beers mm. is intense in their IPAs. Yes. Um, sometimes too much for me. Versus, I find actually Treehouse to be on the maltier side. Maybe it's the malt is what I'm mm-hmm. referring to. I find their IPAs to be, it, it's, it has the same profile to it. And I f- that's what I always point it towards. I'm all, every time I have one, I'm like, this has this malt character to it that I just don't find in many IPAs. Because um, most IPAs now are definitely either they're on the drier side um, than sweet. Right. Um, but theirs is very distinguished. It, it, that's the only thing I can ever think about. I'm like, this has this very distinguished malt character, which doesn't necessarily like caramel or you know anything like that to it, but um, it's very noticeable. Hmm. And that definitely has to do with their water profile and then whatever malt they're using, which, I mean, I have no idea what they're using. Right. Um, you know, for us, we pretty much use a, a base of two-row. Um, that's the big malt that we use. And then from there, it's... Uh, you know, oats and wheat and yeast. I mean, that's really Straight the big thing. And crap ton of hops. Yeah, a crap ton. That's, that, <laughs> yeah, that's a shit ton would be the better. Shit ton's a bit better. <laughs> we can go fuck ton. Whatever. Yeah, Either it's or. a lot. I yeah, this it. one's got a lot. It's great, it? man. Super smooth. The the like the the booze is like super hidden as well. Like it's not up front at all. Yeah, it's just fantastic. I love it. It's dangerous. Um, Want to do the lightning round? Yeah. The uh, we do like a series of supposed 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 to be quick questions. It's mm-hmm. not really. Yeah, very rarely quick. What would be your guilty pleasure beer? So be be embarrassed to admit to a uh, beer nerd that you enjoy. It's tough. Yeah, that's a, that is a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, I like you know, every once stuff. in a while I like a PBR. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird. It's like I haven't I I haven't had one for so long, and then I try it, and I'm like, oh wow. It's I get surprised not, by it almost. It's not that horrible. No. <laughs> we got really sick off at one time. We went on tour and we all drank PBRs one mm-hmm. night and it ruined the rest of the... It was only a short, like a four or five day tour. And like, I can't even look at that now because of that. It's like, it doesn't take much, right? It doesn't take much. No. Uh, the opposite. Beer you would decline under any circumstances. You Oof. went to a barbecue. Tom was like, hey, man. Uh, Budweiser, Bud Light. Yeah. Yeah. Any of those? Yeah, for the most part. I mean... I tr- I don't think I drink really any AB products anymore. Um, just for ethical sake. reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And because it's trash. Yeah. It is pretty much trash. Pretty much trash. Let's be real. <laughs> Funnily enough, we're out last, we were here maybe, you know, three, four weeks ago with Rob. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to, we went to, we were drinking at home like way too much. Then we went to foam and then we went to some other place, which was completely unnecessary. So he was drinking Bud Lights there. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, it's just water. It's just, and mm-hmm. he's like a super craft beer guy. Yeah, it's my water. Yeah, we've been drinking like Hill Farmstead at home and like Jester King. He has a trade and a bunch of all like crazy stuff. And then for him, and then man's gone to Bud Light. I just thought it was very interesting because some people could just don't mind it. They drink crazy craft beers, but they happily drink. I know a lot of those people actually. Yeah. It's very surprising. You, you, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's those, one of those things where I think people get so rigid on craft beer. You know, for me, it's like, I don't think that there's a lot of big craft beer that's not very crafty anymore. Mm. Uh, and I think that kind of slowly, it's not quite in the lines of those, but they are a little bit. And so I think a lot of people are just happy to have beer that 
is consistent and they know they can go to every single time and they know what it's going to taste like. Yeah. 100%. I think that's really where those people get driven to. Hmm. I guess it makes sense, right? Because yeah. consistency, if, if you're going to give them anything, consistency is... Water. What they've made, yeah. <laughs> Water would be a better option. <laughs> for sure. Um, what's your favorite beer style? Ooh, uh, definitely specialty porters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Lavender, particularly? Uh, I think probably my favorite that we do is the double coconut porter. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's coming back? Yep. Looking forward to that. Because that coconut, I swear to God, it was so... Would it, would it have dropped by now? The coconut no. sticks around? Because I wasn't mm -hmm. sure if coconut's like hops. Relatively. Um, it definitely is. A, it's definitely more intense within the first month. And then okay. it slowly starts to fade. But there's only so much it can fade out. Because it'll um, still be there. Yeah, yeah, it'll still be there. But it's it's definitely... It's there forever. It's just how... I'd say it's more sweetness initially. And more of the roasty character. And okay. from there it turns to more of like generic coconut. Which I think if you don't roast coconut, you don't really get the character of coconut. It's not yeah, what we think of true. coconut. Because yeah. most people don't just eat it raw. Which doesn't really taste like that much. No, it doesn't taste like yeah, anything. Yeah, toasting really. is what brings out that uh, extra stuff. Mm -hmm. I love it. Uh, favorite bit? I said style. Least favorite, sorry. Style. Uh, doesn't mean you necessarily hate it. It's just Loggers. Kind of, yeah? Yeah, I really just don't like them. I think most of them taste like sulfur. And <laughs> it's just yeah. not my thing. Yeah? Yeah, I've never really been a fan of it. Anti-brewer uh, answer. Yeah. Like brewers, like generally, are, are straight up and down, like like of people which is why i think it's the resurgence of the uh the the dry hopped and like whatever dry hopped otherwise lagers and pilsens and stuff just i find them too simple that's the thing i mean they're not a simple beer to necessarily make but i don't i don't find them very complex and i think it's hard to find it's hard to find a brewery that can brew a good lager i think trap does a really good job of it yeah Trap's um, great. but i think there's a lot of people that brew the style just because they think it's trendy you know, like, um, well, now, yeah. yeah, and I think that's what it comes down to is it's not necessarily the easiest thing. And it takes a hell of a long, a hell of a long time to make. That's the yeah. other thing um, for us. I mean, we produce just ales because, you know, for us, it's like we do have to have a specific turnaround time on beer. Excuse me. Um, yeah, if you're doing lagers and stuff, it like choke your whole system. It up, does. Yeah. You know, you yeah. have to plan for that. If that's what you're going to do. You, know, you have to have tankage for that more or yeah. less than anything. For us, it's just like, we're not interested in it, at least not at this point. We do get a lot of people that come up here and ask, they're like, when are you brewing a lager? I'm just like, never. Yeah, <laughs> never. Just keep waiting. <laughs> be, uh, just after the uh, lavender porter, we'll bring yeah, that exactly. back. We'll do the lager. <laughs> the lager porter. Barry. <laughs> uh, what would be your desert island beer? Oh. So, stuck on a desert island, it's hot. They'll deliver. The exact uh, beer that you want at the perfect serving temperature and everything. Dirty Bastard by Founders. What is that one again? It's a Scotch Scottish ale. Really? You mm -hmm. want that on like the eight nine percent type of thing? You know, it's actually like one of my favorite beers. Like I don't brew Scottish ales here, um, so my my friend who lives over in Brookfield. Like, they know that's the beer I like, and they always buy it for me for whenever I go over there for dinner. And I don't buy it myself or anything, but every time I have it, I forget how much I enjoy it. Interesting. Um, and I can drink it any time, hot weather, cold weather. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's, it's just something about the malt character to it. It's very specific. Um, yeah, I, like I don't... that beer. Yeah, and it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those beers that I'd be okay with. You know, it's not... It's not like the most phenomenal thing I've ever had, but it's, it's definitely not the worst, and it just kind of fits right in the middle world. It's like, I really enjoy this type of thing. Right. Interesting. 
I might have to go back to them again because they're one of my least favorite. I don't really like most of their beers, but that beer in particular is something I think is really, they really they nailed down it. the style. And I've tried a lot of them, like uh, blind taste tests and things like that. The different scotch yeah. nails and stuff. And mm-hmm. that one's the one. Like, I don't want to call them old world, but that's kind of what they are. You know, they're, oh, they're definitely an old one. Yeah, they're, yeah, and they're a fairly old brewery too. Founders are definitely older, and they definitely have that sort of like traditional mindset. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of their stuff is fantastic. They do, they, you know, they're doing pretty well. They they oh, they're huge. Well, I think they're like the thirteenth biggest in the states or something like that. Yeah, I wouldn't I mean thirteenth is still pretty pretty. Tight. No, it's big. <laughs> I've never seen a brewery. I still haven't seen a brewery that big in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever really been to a large scale. I think Switchback's the biggest brewery I've ever been to. Oh, you should check just for scale. Like even La Trap was Von Trap. Sorry, was like Trap was huge. Was Magic, huge. Hat's mm-hmm. Magic Hat's huge. Yeah. Um, but founders by far was like, as in like, robots, robot arms, packing ca- uh, cases, wow. like turn, like cleaning kegs, turn them upside down and stuff. I've probably like not exaggerating five, six story high fermenters, yeah, like probably thousand barrel fermenters. It was insanity. It was like it blew our minds. I'd never seen anything even close to that. And the, I'm trying to think the next biggest one, but yeah, the Von, Von Trapp surprised me how big it was. You know what's funny? People come here all the time, and that's what they expect. They're like, "Where are your, I, I where, where where are your tanks?" This. Yeah, I had a, I had a, two ladies here last week, and they were leaving, and I was coming in, and they was like, "Where do you brew the beer?" And I was yeah, like, like, "Right there." <laughs> you just you walked right by it. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even look. I think it's more impressive if you can pump out the volume that you're doing on a smaller system because it means you just like. We're Keep in here. Going. We're in here every day. I mean, doing it. I mean, that's the only way it's done. It's your only way. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, beer trend predictions. What are the kids drinking next? Ooh, glitter. Probably. <laughs> um, that's tough to say. I mean, I don't think the New England style IPA is really going away anytime soon. No. Um, I, I really think that trend's just going to continue. More or less, yeah. you know, people are going to keep pushing the boundaries. The I just saw, yeah, I just saw Trillium starting to put out a lot of 9% triples, triple IPAs. Personally, that's what I think is going to keep happening. Yeah, just They're going to be like, how, how much alcohol can we put in this and make it still taste really hoppy, you know, without any of the alcohol. Um, I think there's a point of that where it's like, okay, this is, is a little ridiculous, you know. <laughs> you can drink in a 10% IPA, you know. Um, they, they're a little tough sometimes. They put you to bed. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's really the issue with it but it's more like there's a point where financially it's like okay this doesn't make any sense you no, know but it's it's about pushing the limits but i don't i don't really know what beyond there um i really think it's sours are you know are coming back um this summer in particular i've seen a lot of uh fruit sours i mean even we've been brewing yeah. them and lighter beers so yes. light fruit sours okay um I think those probably are taking a lead more than anything, um, you know, because everybody's doing New England IPAs. Yeah. But not everybody's doing the sours. And I think now it's starting to come to the point where more and more are, so. Mm. They are a good one, though. The yes. Fruited sours, particularly for this humid summer, like, you don't want more than 3%. Like, you no. want to be drinking them all day. You, you have a couple of 8% as you're done. Yeah, you finish up the night with these bad boys. <laughs> uh, favorite up-and-coming breweries? Ooh, that's a Good question. Um, in the state of Vermont, I haven't had any of their beer, but I'm really excited is uh, Red Clover Ale Company out of Brandon. Red Clover, okay. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard of them. Um, I don't know what size their brew house is going to be, but I've been really interested, you know, to see what it is. I mean, I've seen their stuff on Instagram. Um, they're not, um, they're not open yet. No. Um, the other one is Green Empire Brewing. Oh yeah, I've had a couple of Yeah. 
Um, they're definitely doing really cool stuff. Um, they're only a year old right now. I don't think there's a whole lot of other new ones. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, I think in general too is, I'm just looking forward to, you know, what new stuff people are starting to create and getting more creative with. Yeah. Um, I think that even the bigger breweries are starting to do it more. I think they're kind of feeling like they are being pushed into that. Yeah. Um, which is good. When they're buying out craft and Yeah. And so it's, it, but yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's just like, you know, I want to see what small nano brewers are popping up. I think that's what's most exciting to me that's in the state. Stuff. Yeah. That's true. Funny thing on that with the macros, I saw someone posted a picture like yesterday of a amber Budweiser aged in Jim Beam barrels. Yeah, I saw that. And people were like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, I saw it at some store and I was like, I've never seen that label before. Did you try and, it? No. I didn't even know what it was and then yeah. I saw a picture of it online and I was like, that's, that's what it nice. was. <laughs> I'd be curious to try it, but I don't want to buy it. No. That's the other thing. I'm just, I'm not giving you my money. Yeah, that's exactly. I can't imagine it tastes that good. It's a lager inside a barrel. Yeah, it's not. It's just going to be a booze bomb. Mm -hmm. Like, and not, not in a good way. No, I think that's all you're going to notice is liquor. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's be funny to trash it. Uh, favorite beer, city, destination, or country? Ooh. I think I'm pretty partial to Burlington and Portland, Maine. Okay. Um, obviously, I lived in Maine, too. Um, yeah, for, it's pretty good out there. Yeah, it's nice. I like the way that city's set up. It's very much like Burlington, where it's like it's quick to get to all the breweries, and the beer's good there. It's, you know, that's the thing. There's a lot of them. Um, I've been out to Denver, but I, the thing about Denver is everything's it's just so chaotic. You yeah. know, it, it doesn't feel relaxed, you know, and even if, you know, there's a brewery here, you know, a brewery all the way across the city is not close, you right. know, there. Versus Portland, you know, everything's 10 minutes from there. Burlington, I mean, you can pretty much walk to everything. Damn deal. Yeah. Um, and I haven't been, you know, if I'm being truthful, I really haven't been in enough places um, to really make that judgment mm -hmm. in, in a greater essence than those two. Still. Yeah. Burlington's amazing. I haven't. Been, I keep hearing about Portland. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I haven't gone. It's really not that far. It's, it's just, kind of... Yeah. Foods there is great, and it's just, I don't know, it's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah is we, it like a small town like Bellington? Very much. It's bigger. It's probably, I think it's about three three or four times the size. Okay. Um, but it just has that vibe because it's right on the peninsula, of, and so they can only put so much in there. And so it's just, I don't know, it's, it's easy going. People are cool. Definitely a lot of craft beer lovers. Yeah. And I think there's probably like 20 probably close to 20 breweries right within that area and that wow that's a lot oh it's huge and they're all you know the cool thing about portland too is a lot of them are in strips so like they'll have you know five breweries right Yo, next I to heard each about other that. yeah like i think allagash is near like bissell brothers or something like that used to be it? so but right. it's, that's uh industrial ave but yeah there's allagash definitive um foundation there's austin street there's also battery steel all right there wow um, and then there's Geary's down there too, but I don't think anybody really no, drinks Geary's no. anymore. <laughs> I've heard of that one. I think like one of the old school ones. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I love it. Underrated style brewery, city or country. Just something that's underrated. Ooh. Glitter? No, I don't think, I don't think it's glitter. <laughs> Damn it. Lactose? Um, I think probably... That's a, that's a really tough one. Yeah, I think right. I think the underrated thing is just general beer, like uh, a really good base beer. I don't I don't 
I don't think that, especially in Vermont, it's hard because everybody is brewing these very good eccentric beers. Um, that some of the, like the original stuff gets lost a little bit. Like um, I think Switchback Ale is like probably one of the greatest beers for just just a beer style. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really built that company just based upon that one beer. And I mean, they sell a ton of product, but I think it kind of get lo- gets lost in the craft beer world. Um, I think some of the older guys that are a little bit bigger in Vermont in particular get lost, like yeah. Rock Art. Um, and, you know, they are one of the originals. And I, I just think that that's what it is. is like those, I don't want to use generic, but I mean the non-flashy beers. Um, you know, and that's kind of like my thing with the Scotch Ale, you know, yeah. is like that's not a flashy beer in any essence. And I think, no. uh, but those can be very good. You know, we're attracted to beer that we see on Instagram that's like, whoa, where'd you get that, you know, type of thing. Lined but, up for three hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that mm. there's also really good beer that's not that, but it's not necessarily something that you want to drink all the time, every single day, um, but it's also still very good. And I think it's worth trying because it goes back to the whole um, origin. You got To enjoy something, you have to know where something came from. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of an unappreciated thing, and I don't think it's something that people that necessarily that ever drank craft beer ever did. I know a lot of people that went from bud drinking bud to drinking, like, Headies and things like that. And so there was like this huge transition gap that they just never drank anything else, you know, in mm. between there. Um, I think that's probably, I, I honestly think that's, that's, that's what it is. So they needed to kind of go through those gateway beers to like, like it's part of the journey. Yeah. It's almost. like skipping all those steps. Absolutely. Does that mean they have a lack of appreciation for? I think partially. I think it's, uh, I mean, they're good people, but like, <laughs> I, oh, no, I, no, totally. Yeah, I, I think, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's just a lost thing. It's like you, you forgot that there was other beer that's really good. It just became like all of a sudden this thing came up in front of you and you liked it. And so you were just like, there's nothing else I'm ever going to like now. Hmm. Instead of looking and be like, oh, I might have liked this or I might have liked that. You know, like you liked Budweiser. So there's like to me that's telling me you probably could have liked a lot of other things too. Right. Um, but just jumping straight into IPAs after that and because they've changed a lot. They certainly have. They have. Um, you know, they've changed from, you know, super bitter to not bitter and fruity and um i think a lot of people had that perception of those beers in particular even with the malty beers too you know people didn't like malty beers but um it's just it's it's totally different now but i really think that's skipped over you know and every once in a while you know for me that's just like what it is you know i get one of those beers and i forget i'm like wow this beer actually is very solid and good because it has the basics that's really what it comes down to yeah that's a really good point. I think it's that, that journey in almost anything in life, if you start skipping things, like you miss a whole part of the point mm-hmm. of it. So if you're going straight from like, even when we, I don't know, if, I, I assume you went through that journey too. Yeah. Yeah, we absolutely did. And it was a whole process to get to everything. And I remember I had Hedy and when I started the, the stupid photos and stuff in like 2011, I think we, a guy at work, his brother, we worked in Toronto and his brother lived in Burlington. So he brought me this silver can. So this Hague Top was one of the most like sought after beers. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> so me and my co-host Scott, we tried it with my brother. I was like, this was amazing, but we had no business drinking Henny. We didn't all of a sudden think we were like, we had it really early. We're like, all right, that's cool, but I don't think we appreciated the level of it. And we had real like it was pretty far. We didn't know Vermont was like that. You know what I mean? So we yeah. still went back to our journey, even though we had it. Well, it's funny because I think a lot of those people that just immediately went to Hetty, they trash on Hetty now. And, um, you know, they, they neglect to see where, you know, without Hetty, you know, without the Alchemist doing those things, we probably 
wouldn't necessarily be there. Somebody would have, maybe. Mm -hmm. But it just... It, it's amazing to see it, too. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of Sip of Sunshine or anything. It's not my favorite beer. Um, but, it, you know, it was like all of a sudden Lawson's was distributed through every state, and all of a sudden people were just like, no, anti. No. <laughs> anti Lawson's completely, and we'll just trash on it and everything. And it's just, it's so mind-blowing that um, I think the beer, like, the online beer circle has become very one-minded. Yeah. Um, it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird, and it's it's very IPA-focused, and then really exclusive sours and barrel-aged. And I think a lot of... You now, that's a very tiny portion of beer. Very. It's not really that much. I mean, the bulk beer in the United States that's still being brewed is not New England-style IPAs. No. Like, even if we get rid of Budweiser and all those people, you know, the majority of beer that's still being brewed is Amber Ales, you know, things like that, you know? No. And so... I think it's we're in a different pocket of the United States. Like you said, Vermont and New England's a weird place. In because, the best way. In the best way because, like, we have very innovative beer styles. Yeah. And I think the, the, the funny thing for, for us was, say, you're in Burlington. And we were, you know, on um, this Church Street, I think. Is it, is it just Main Street? Whatever the other. A church Street? So not Church, not the one where you can walk on, but just, just off that. There's a bunch of bars on the main street that you would drive in off the freeway. I guess it's like the, yep. it's the 7. I think it's called Main Street. Yeah, it's Main Street. Main Street. So there's like a there's a, a bunch of bars, there's like a pizza shop and all this type of stuff. I yeah, it's Mike's all, Pizza. Yeah, right. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. And that deli place, a county, country deli. Something yes, like that. I don't know quite the name, but yeah. I know what you're talking. That general about. area, right? And there's this one bar at the end. We need to get like we went in there one time, and we're looking at the. This is just a, a trash bar that was full of 21 year olds, like just college students. Pizza place. Was it, oh, was the pizza place? Okay, so it's the pizza place, and they had Hill Farmstead on tap. We saw these like just. 21 year old like young chicks just drinking focal and heady like it was nothing like and we were just like you guys don't know what you're dealing with you have no idea mm -hmm. what you're dealing with that oh, i mean maybe they do but I, I think most people wouldn't no because they were just like it's there it's like i don't know it's the cool one their older Trendy. brother was drinking or something and like mm -hmm. oh, i'm gonna drink heady out of the can because you can and like it's it's like you it just made like man like vermont is just such an interesting place because it's just fire beer it doesn't matter where you go like if you're drinking bad beer you have to go out of your way to drink bad beer in exactly state. and i feel like if you grow up here you almost like you can't you can't not drink good beer like it's, it's hard and even and then when you travel other places that's what it comes just like wow like this is it this is, yeah. this is all I have to choose from. Yeah, I could have just brought this up from home. <laughs> it's a it's, very, it's a very it's, odd thing, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, good. It's just always so funny to us. I love it. You, if you would like, so you can go. You're gonna go yeah. inside the garage. Okay. So go through the garage door, front door of the house, to the left. Cool. Damn. You can't miss it. Loving it. Do you have a yeah, fly in your beer? fly fucking flew into my beer, of course. Uh, That's the second time. Oh, no, it was your beer last time. It was time. my beer last time. No, I had to be mm. at uh, Von Trapp. Uh, loving it, guys. Loving it. What are we at? 145. We're having a great time. Uh, the sun's kind of uh, disappeared a little bit behind some clouds here, but we're having a good, we're having a great time out here. I'm just noticing, like, I don't really, like, I'm a city kid. I don't know about you guys. Like, I grew up in the suburbs, and, you know, I live in the cities and stuff. I've never lived in like a rural situation and like there's just so many, oh, I kind of have a guess, but years and years ago. And like, I just sort of forgot there's just so much wildlife around here. Like, like just the little birds and all the insects flying around, like different types of insects that I wouldn't always uh, be privy to. Like, I feel like I haven't seen a butterfly for a while. I'm seeing mad butterflies around here. I know there's a beer podcast, you don't give a fuck about butterflies, but I'm telling you anyway. 
Shout out to butterflies. Tweet us the word butterfly if you're listening. And then I'll know. Actually, I'll probably forget. And then I'll be like, why is this person tweeting me butterfly? That's weird. Um, yeah, man. Honestly, dead ass. Like, all of these beers are fantastic. That Better Every Day IPA was... Uh, so, Michael, I had never met... We never met before, but he... We did a beer mail uh, video for him. He dropped a bunch of beer off at my friend Rob's house. I got to say, it was like last year sometime. And that Better Every Day was a part of it. Um when it was their first time they did it and it was great and that. this version now was just exceptional and then the double was even crazier go on the ducks ah uh, so this is like slowly transition slowly i like it bam what's this, this bad boy this is called two stone birds okay um this is a beer that we did a couple months ago so this is like uh i think i'm gonna be mentioning this it's an eight percent beer okay um and the base of it's just an ale. Okay. And then it's aged on red and black currants. Okay. And so the red and black currants add some acidity to it, a little bit of tartness, but it's definitely got some background sweetness. Um, it's actually, it is probably one of my favorite beers right now that we have on. Okay. Well, great color. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Wow, that is interesting. So it's got the... Um, Tangy fruitiness of the currants. Mm -hmm. um, I know it's probably not there, but am I getting some sort of chocolate? Uh, there's a little bit of chocolate malt in there. There is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. Super subtle there. Yep. Kind of like tart um, chocolate. There's like, wow, that's so interesting. So I guess it's just like, what would you consider it? What style? Like, I don't know if it really is a style. <laughs> I like that. It's just, it, it's, it's its own thing. It is. Um, you know, it was like one of those things where. We talked about souring it, but an 80% Berliner is just odd. I don't know if really anybody makes that. I don't... Like it, does, it, does it cease to become a Berliner? I don't know. It potentially could. It could go outside the style guidelines. Um, that's another thing. It's like... That's a whole other... Yeah. I don't believe in style guidelines. Yeah, no, Look at that. Yeah. I don't really think too many people do anymore. Um, just because I think it it makes us... You're not... You're less creative. Yeah, right? Because you got these like... Uh, just box that you have to stick to yeah it just doesn't allow you to uh yeah exactly expand the boundaries and things like that which is super annoying I, like i guess you know what particularly for someone like yourself who's not into all the rules and like you want to put weird shit in your beer and if you're only allowed certain things and it's kind of boring it kind of takes all the fun away it totally takes all the fun away this is this is great man why the name uh <laughs> well it's the honest with you we brewed it for brew fest and the day before Brewfest, we didn't have a name for it yet. And we were really? sitting here, me and Mike, and um, another one of my friends, and we we're like, just going through beer names. And the other friend that was there was the one that came up with the inspiration for Hot Tubs and Bongs. Right. <laughs> and so... So they had a bit of a run. Yeah, so we were like, you know... Come on, people, something. Like, what, is, what is something? And so we started thinking Trailer Park Boys. We're like, oh, man. You know, there's got to be a Rickyism somewhere yeah. in there that's going to fit. And... And it was like, you know, uh, two birds stowed at once. And then we were just like, that sounds a little too morbid. So we're like two stone birds. And so, it, and it, the beer turned out, because this, this, this was a draft only beer that we did. Um, and oh, so yeah, the next, of. we're actually going to end up packaging this one at some point later in the year. Okay. Um, and doing it in 16 ounce cans. So we actually have, Mike's brother Shit. is our, uh, um, he's our designer. He does all of our label designs nice. for us too. So keep it all. 
in house, right? Yeah, pretty close. All the family. I forgot to take the last one. We can get it. Before. We can do it. We again. can sort that. Out. I always forget sometimes. It's ridiculous. So get much. chatting. I just told I Mike too. I was like, I just can talk sometimes. Hey man, like we have no limit. Okay. To this, I think if we have as long as we like. Um, we did underrated, didn't we? Did we do underrated? No. Underrated style, brewery, city, or country? Oh, we did do that one. Yeah. Did right. Best mm -hmm. beer you ever drank in your life. Ooh. It, is. it was probably this Magnum that me and uh, my girlfriend Chelsea drank. Um, it was an Almanac beer. All right. It was, and it had been sitting around up at Craft Beer Cellar forever, and it was her birthday, and she bought it like three years before and was just um, sitting on it. And <laughs> we ended up drinking it, and it was fantastic. And we were like, there's no way we're drinking that whole bottle. And it, no, it was way bigger than a Magnum. It was like... Uh, Two liters of it? Yeah. Thing? And we drank the whole thing That's in one lot. sitting. But it was <laughs> trash. Yeah, it was it was delicious though. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. That's the thing is, there's a lot, and I also think that like it's hard for me to judge that because my palate changes on a day to day basis, and like I'll come in and taste things, and like we're we're always sampling the taps, and I'll come in one day and I'll be like, what? What? Why is this tasting like this? And I'm I can't figure it out, and it's all based upon. Food, water, what I've drank, how much sleep I got, everything. Mm. And so it's hard for me to, it's always hard to judge what's the best beer I ever had. Um, it's often situational, it I is, guess. And it's like, yeah, what's, that was a great what's the, ex the excitement, you know? Sometimes no. excitement makes things taste better. Yes. And, uh, and so it's, it's really hard. Like that, that moment I was sitting down and I'm pretty sure we were just watching TV. There was nothing about it. The only excitement was like, okay, I get to drink this massive bottle that's been sitting around for three years. <laughs> and it worked out well. Yeah, it, it, was, it was great. Um, I'm trying to think. That's a solid answer. I, don't, I actually don't even have one. A lot of people say some stuff like, oh, I was on a lake with my dad and we were fishing and at the end we cracked the Budweiser. Dead, like very accomplished brewers have said that mm -hmm. because it was not the beer it was the situation that sort of like the emotion behind it that made it like uh super good i think the camera clicked well um yeah so it's like i was fine okay maybe i'm hearing things <laughs> um it's brain tree and all it is right there's all, <laughs> there's all sorts of we stuff we always make jokes that there's weird gravitational waves around here oh yeah yeah and that's why that's why brain tree is a little of a strange area <laughs> i just like the name in general yeah, like, why is it called Braintree? That's such a weird name. Braintree must have originated from Braintree, Mass. Because um, a lot of times people will go to Brewfest and they'll look at our, they'll look at our, we, I mean, we have a giant sign that says Braintree, Vermont. And people will be like, oh, you guys are from Braintree, Mass. And it's like, no, it says Vermont, Vermont right there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a message. Yeah. That's way better. Have you seen this? Look at sunflowers. Exactly. Crazy um, Massachusetts people. Yeah, people, you know, it's like one of those things, like uh, I told you, people, we get people that will drive out here during the middle of summer and they'll be, they'll think they're going to get shot driving in our driveway. Why? It's like, oh, because I was, we were like, is this it? Yeah. It's like, oh, there's a sign that says Ben Hill. And she goes, I didn't know, man. That's the logo. Pretty sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Big sign. The sign used to be about this big. Oh, so now it's, <laughs> so, now it's a so people would drive by and we used to make a joke all the time. It was like, this is a private club. That was it. You know, if you could <laughs> yeah, find the sign, that was, that was get the end in. of it. You know? <laughs> no problems, that old, uh, yeah. Well, it was like people would be driving up and down the road, and we could we could see them from the brewery, you know. So and then you'd walk out at my like, neighbor's house and be like, "Do you know where the brewery is?" <laughs> and then I start getting mad. Mm -hmm. and you're like, mm -hmm. "Come on!" I've had to walk out to the end of the road before, 
and someone would be like, do you know where the brewery is? And I'm like, yeah, it's right here. Yeah, this is it. This like, is it. What? Just come really? down the driveway. <laughs> It'll be better once get... the new taste room's up because you will be actually able to see that a physical yeah. building. You know, and it's gotten better. Like, so the original building was that 20 by 20, and the taste room used to be right in there. We didn't even have the back area where the fermentation tanks are or anything oh, right. like that. And so you walked in there. The bar was right there. I'd be working most of the time. On Saturdays, I'd be brewing. You'd come in. You'd see me brewing. And then, you know, that's fun. That was fun for a year and a half. And then it got to the point where it was like, I can't annoying. pay attention to things yeah. because I have to be brewing and I can't. Um, and then we built this last spring, which has made it nice, separated a little bit. Um, and people kind of respect the boundary a little bit better, but we don't right. do any production during the weekends anymore. It's just, it's too complex. People are going to be out here and stuff. Yeah. And we're hauling grain out and buckets out constantly. Um, and it's fun, but it's not necessarily something that you just, you know, you want everybody to see constantly because they don't know what they're seeing first off. Yeah. And then it's just an annoyance. You know, you really want that idea of like you come to a place and it's quiet, you know, um, there's not a whole lot going on behind the scenes after the fact. Um, so we really only do production Monday and Tuesdays right now. Right. Every once in a while, I really have to crank on it and I'll be like Friday or Thursday, something like that. Right, right. But there's enough space, I mean, in that, in that tap room now, now. Like, same in the winter out here, this, this is beautiful, but same in the winter. Oh, so that's, that's the big reason. That's, that's why we have to put a new tap room up, because it works. Last winter was pretty mild, so people could be outside still. Okay. But if it's a really awful winter, it's like there's not nearly enough room. You can fit 15 people in there, and it's like, sometimes it's fun, because, you know, it's like you're so close to everybody yeah, yeah, that, you know, it comes, yeah, it comes really buddy-buddy. Um, but there's a point where it's like, all right, we need more space, you know. Um, and that's, that's good. I mean, it's, it's gotten, it's gotten busy enough for us that it's like, that's where we've done it. And we've really want to set the setting. Yeah. You know, that's the thing is like, as I, as I keep saying, it's all about coming up here and kind of just having a relaxed mind and just, you know, and just chill. It's yeah, so it, chill. Time doesn't exist yeah. in a way. <laughs> Island time. Right? Mm-hmm. Mountain time almost. Yeah. Mountain time. Are you going to have like huge ass windows like all around here? So we're pulling most of these windows out of this. Yeah. Um, so the front of this building is almost going to be identical now. Okay. And then this down here is going to become the new outdoor seating area all okay. down through here. And then you'll be able to walk out on the deck. Um, also, it's essentially extending the building to this part. Correct. So, we're, so the windows will be the same. Yep. So we're going to, we're going to pull all these windows. We actually have a bunch more big windows now too. Okay. Um, to say, the so it's going to be so very amazing. light. Like, exactly. We don't want to take away from that. No. So like these windows, we, it was just, we randomly stumbled upon them and it just worked out. I mean... No, I that, it open. It's cool. that building gets hotter during the winter because of the sun um, than it does during the summertime. Wow. Just because it's all ambient, you just know, solar day, right? Just yeah. soaks it up. That's probably a good thing, I guess. Take yeah. the jacket off, have some fun in there, and feel like it's... We don't heat that room. I mean, it's, once the sun goes down, it's immediate, like, holy oh, crap, right. it's actually cold out. <laughs> That's amazing. Hi, Carol. Hi, <laughs> Look at that coming through. Getting them filled. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Every week. Every week. Mm -hmm. Carol loves it. That's our number one customer right yeah? there. Oh, yeah. That's great. She's like four growls. Mm -hmm. That's so cool to me. Every single week. And you know, I like it. She's like, you know, she's not a youngster. No. And she's drinking like great. I'm sure she gets a great variety of beer. She loves IPAs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hope she gets that. That's uh, all she gets. She gets, really, she gets really mad when I don't have certain IPAs up there. It's like, when is that coming back? I won't come up here until that's back. Oh, wow. <laughs> she'll come back. She yeah. She comes back. Yeah. Like, don't threaten Carol. You know you. <laughs> I like the name Carol. Yeah, she just, you know, it's funny. All the dogs know her, too. Which they're chasing my father around right now. Yes, yeah, so I saw that. He's like running the. Uh... Yeah, my niece is here from Colorado. 
And so... Um, it just keeps coming up. We got to Colorado on Monday, and it just keeps coming up. It's like everyone just keeps talking about it. Yeah, my sister's from Denver, and she, she loves it. I've only been there once, um, and as I told you, it's just too chaotic for me. Is yeah, because you're a country boy? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm a country boy. I mean, I consider myself a hippie that kind of lives in the hills. <laughs> like, it just... You know, it's just like one of those things, you know, and I'm so used to being like in this setting and so alone. Like a lot that's happening. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. Like if I go into those settings, I don't talk to people. It's too many people for me to just like have a decent conversation with because it's just overload for me. Right. Um, have you been to like New York or anything like that? Yeah, been to New York City. Too much? Mm, yeah, a bit too much for me. Um, More than Denver or is it like... Because I, I picture Denver to be this chill, hippie place, too, in the mountains with the dispensaries. I like, like the outskirts of Denver, so, like, Boulder. Okay. Yeah, I think Boulder is actually a really good medium. It's actually Church Street in Burlington was do- designed based upon Boulder. So the guy who designed, I forget what the street is called in Boulder, but um, it was the same designer. It very much reminds me, well... It's something that I think Kingston could do really well with is Princess Street. Princess Street could really they, yeah. block they could that close off the, that off, and that that could be a killer street. Yes, it's actually kind of popping. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, because it's, it's the only City. thing really happening in Kingston right there. But yeah, not really the. Only. <laughs> yeah. There is not much else happening. Shouts to Kingston, but you know, because Stone City's right there. And I think they got some other good pubs. There's that burger joint across the street from uh, yep. Stone City, which is mm-hmm. I don't know if you went there. That place no. is. It's hard. I mean, I was only there for five days. Um, it was you were like in I, Kingston for five days? Yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> That's a long time to be in Kingston. Well, the first the first day we didn't get there till the evening, and then we spent a day out on the St. Lawrence. Oh, cool. So you actually did some river stuff. Yeah. And, like, um, and then... Close to like Prince Edward County and stuff. You yeah, we went... Uh, I'm not sure what that is. We went out to Thousand Islands and all that stuff. Same general region. Yeah. Pretty cool. It's beautiful. Yeah, man. totally different than here. I mean, I'm not used to rivers. Oh, right. so, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, our biggest river around here is the... Down there. Down there? So yeah, like nobody, like, swims... Like, you swim in a river here, but it's not like the St. Lawrence. I mean, that's 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 fucking huge. Yeah, it's massive. Mm-hmm. It's massive. And, like, you've got, you got Champlain here, the lake and stuff. Yeah, I don't... Kingston goes on to Lake Ontario. Yep, exactly. But the, the winters in Kingston are so fucking bad. That's what everybody says. it's right on the lake. Mm-hmm. So whenever we're there, like, it's just always, like... Except, I don't know why I've been in the winter way too many times, and it was terrible. It's, it's probably windy, windy and brutal. Yeah, bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. windy is what it is. Yeah. And it's just that, like, wind chill that comes with the... You know, we don't get a whole lot of that up here, but I think central Vermont actually gets the most snow out of most places That's in the annoying. state. Yeah. But it's nice. I don't know. There's some weird transition to it that I enjoy to a point. Yeah, the transition's nice. What's the foliage? Is it called foliage yeah. season? Yep. That's it? Yep, foliage. Okay, it's fully season. This is a killer place to be during foliage, man. So, like, you actually, if you go over the top of the hill tonight, um, you're going to start seeing that some of the trees are starting to change, but we're really not going to see anything until the end of September. But it's just, like, bright. We have so many maples around here. Um, Like, the end of September, this is just all red. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really gorgeous place. I've been really lucky to grow up here, and I've been really lucky to be able to build build the brewery here yeah right um, it's perfect man you know it was like one of those things where it's just the right place right time you know my folks thought i was crazy you know that's one of my questions mm-hmm. is what do you what do your family think of your job they think you know i think now it's it's become they get it, they get it and they actually are really appreciative of it but initially it was like no way what are you doing that doesn't make any sense you know i just you know jump ship on my engineering job, you know. Like a nice, safe... Nice, safe job, you know, to something that I wasn't making any money at, um, you know, for the last couple of years. And and then, 
you know, now it's kind of grown into something that they never could have pictured. You know, because their idea of a brewery was always, you know, massive tanks, magic hat, those kinds of things. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, that was just not the way that, you know, I don't think most breweries are starting that way anymore. Not starting. No, you got to get to that. No. If you're starting, uh, if you're yeah. starting at a 15 barrel system, I mean, you better have a you better have a money. plan and yeah. a lot of money. And um, your plans probably, you know, you're just going to sell everything through a distributor. It's not necessarily like you want to grow something based upon something organic or an idea. No, it'd be just, just like money I just want to make beer. Yeah, somebody grab. It's just like you could have done anything, but you chose beer. Yeah, type of thing. Yeah, I feel you. Um, I keep getting distracted from this. It's all right. No, my bad. Uh, favorite beer of all time? We did that one. Did we do that? Or best beer? That was best beer you drank in your life, uh, which okay. is more situational. and fa- They're very they're similar Ooh. but different. Favorite beer of all time? Like if there's something that, like, maybe a beer that, like, changed everything for you or, like... Probably Black Bear Brewery out of Orono. Um... They were the first, like, real craft beer I ever had, and it was, like, a very small little weird brewery. It was, like, awkward going there, and they sold their growlers. I lived right next to the liquor store in Orono, Maine. It was very convenient. Very convenient. <laughs> but they, they did pre-fill growler fills, so you could go down there and you could buy all their growlers, and then their stouts were amazing. Um, and I like dark beer. And so every time I went in there, that's really where I got hooked on to, like, that, that idea. And they weren't just generic stouts. They were, like, stouts with other things in them. Um, and I think that's probably where I got hooked on it. And I would drink, I mean, I always drank stouts, but I would drink all those year round. Um, and it was a very, just like, I don't know, opening, a very mind opening thing for me, um, to go there. Cause like the idea of a brewery itself too, was very strange. You know, I was right. only, you know, 21 and it was like, just like the idea of like, I didn't even physically understand what it was more than anything. And that's really where the, you know. I'd say I didn't know it, but that's where the idea like originated Spots from. It was like there, and then um, the real thing that actually gave me the idea was uh, I went down and saw a friend homebrew, and I was like, "Wow, that's the coolest thing I ever saw!" And so like, right. uh, I was okay, like, "I gotta try that." Mm-hmm. That's so sick. The ABA situation turned that on. Uh, first beer you ever brewed, then? Mm. First beer I ever brewed was the Maple Red, which is still brewed mm. today. I think I had that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just solid. our flagship, just an easy drinking beer, nothing flashy about it. I don't brew it like a flagship. Like most people who brew a flagship just brew it constantly. Yeah, right, right. Um, I brew it rotationally, same okay. thing. Um, that and the, the Vienna Blonde, um, those two beers were the two original. And then from there, it was like, <laughs> we're going to start putting weird things in yeah. beer. <laughs> Coconut Porter is one of the originals, too. Um, I don't know. that. I Once again, I still thought of like a candy cookie. Something right. like that, a chocolate. But I love it. Yeah, the maple red was the first one I ever brewed. That's amazing. I love it. Uh, death row beer and meal pairing. Last beer, last meal. Ooh. It's a tough one. <laughs> right? It doesn't necessarily have to be a good beer. No. <laughs> Do whatever you like. <laughs> Big Pe- Mac and a... <laughs> pizza. I mean, I'm a huge sucker for pizza. Um, just plain cheese. Like, I, I'm real judgmental on pizza. So it'd have to be pizza, and then uh, God, it just something something light and easy drinking. I don't know if a particular beer. Um, I don't know if I'd be that picky. No, no. no even for a brewer, it sounds. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The coconut porter. No, I don't think coconut porter and pizza we'll would, would roll it. that well together. Double coconut porter. 
Maybe. You know, it's it's odd, you know, all these questions, I'm trying to think of beers that aren't beers that are mine, which I drink all the time. And so it's like, wow, what have I what have I had that's outside outside of this? Um you know, probably uh it would have to be one of the porters of mine. Okay. Um, coconut porter's pretty solid. The thing, too, is that, like, I don't brew those beers for so long, and there's actually an enjoyment factor to it. So I kind of forget what the beer tastes like. Right. In a weird like essence. Because just... I have so many beers I'm going through all the time um, that we don't really, you know, it's like, it's nice. It's what I go back to of um, having something different. You know, right. it's like your palate changes and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably say... If, I'd probably say the coconut porter then. Maybe that works for me. Mm-hmm. It's a solid one. Uh, uh, favorite and least favorite style to brew? Double IPA. Fave? No. Least fave? Both. Oh, for both? Yeah. Okay. I actually, I despise brewing them, but I enjoy drinking them. <laughs> so it kind of uh, balances. Yeah, it's actually, it's, it's like the mess. worst style to brew. Um, longest days, hardest to brew, most ingredients. Um, more steps, more, just more clean. everything about it is so particular um, that you know by the end of the day you're burned every single time. But then you know when it comes out of the tanks, you're always like, "Yeah, whoa, yeah. what did I make?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you do it, Dave. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, worst beer you've ever made? Ooh, they give a well, actually. We've definitely, there's definitely been a couple beers that I've made that I probably won't ever make again. I made a maple brown at one point that I wasn't super fan of. Probably, so the first beer, actually, what I told you was the maple red. The first successful beer I ever made was the maple red. The first beer I ever brewed, I dumped down the drain. Right. Yeah. Trash. It was terrible. It was supposed to be an oatmeal stout, and I had no idea what I did. It was extract. I didn't know what I was doing. And I ended up calling the homebrew company being like, what's going on? Like, why isn't this working? And the guy was like, uh, you should just put more yeast in it. And I was like, all right. So <laughs> I did that. But my main mistake was that as I pitched yeast in it, like at 150 degrees, right. not knowing that it was going to kill it. You know, the first batch of beer I ever brewed. And I was like, no. Nope. Yeah. And like two weeks later, I was like, this is going down yeah. the drain. Not giving that to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't be uh, winning from the jump. No. You got to make the mistakes first. Exactly. You know, and then immediately actually from there was extract. Worst beer I ever brewed. Immediately, I was like, I'm not doing extract ever again. And I started doing all green batches right after that. Nice. Um, which was like a Spot big on. transition. Oh, it is. It's completely different. Mm-hmm. I mean, the extract has just almost like you just, just got to follow. step. Yeah. Step by step. I feel like you at least got to do a couple and then like a little one. And then you find out how boring it is to do it. Super boring. Mm-hmm. It's more just to get cheap beer. I yeah. I feel like it's more the uh, cheap. Well, is it worth it though? 40 bucks for ish for, for the kit and you get two cases. Yeah. Like, I've cheap beer. You're right, and it's not it's anything not, fan- it's not phenomenal. Great from it's bad. just, it's just beer. It's just there, and it's like you had to spend a bunch of time doing some stuff to make it, and then you had to wait mm-hmm. just to save how much money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just being cheap, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what music do you listen to when you brew? Ooh, you know that's funny. I actually don't listen to music really when I brew. Every okay. once in a while, I do. It's not. I love music. I get so into brewing that I forget it. That I'm not listening to anything. And I get so busy. Um, not even. Actually, probably listen to the most music when Mike comes in, because um, he just like it's comes in, puts on. it on, and I'm just like I totally forgot I wasn't listening to music this whole day. Um, but we listen to a lot of hip hop. We definitely listen to a lot of podcasts, NPR. NPR's um, great. We listen to a lot of everything. I mean reggae. I mean it really goes across. Oh, 
way the guy is. Doesn't say podcast. Yeah. yeah, it goes across the table. I mean, I don't, I, you know, it, it's hard because we're always trying to figure out what's a good balance in here for us. But I'd say for us, it's a lot of like um, mixed between hip hop, jammy music, and reggae, and kind of anything in between. Anything that's just like easy going. We listen to a lot of beats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, th- when I was, uh, when I just started homebrewing, you know, I pretty much exclusively listened to hip hop. That was it. Um, it's a good one for brewing. Yeah, it's just nice. And hypnotic sometimes, just getting the rhythm. Exactly. Sometimes I don't even like listening to I don't like, sometimes I don't like vocal music. I just like hearing the beat. Yeah. Um, that. It just kind of adds more feel to it for me. Um, but every once in a while, I definitely do appreciate the substance of music, you know, and like what's behind it. Because um, it's really, it's, it's sometimes, it's life stories. I mean, that's really where everything comes from. It draws from, you know, it, it's the same thing that goes into my beer. Um, that goes into music. It's the yeah. same thing. It's like 100% comes from, you know, what you came from and you know, your experiences. So um, I think that's kind of where I appreciate it the most. I don't like a lot of like standard pop music or yeah, any of that. Pretty trash. crap. It's trash. Yeah. It's Budweiser of music. It's the Budweiser of music. <laughs> I like that. We pulled the episode down, but kind of not relevant. Yeah, exactly. Pop is Budweiser of music. <laughs> um, what's your favorite hop? Ooh. It's changed over the years. I think right now actually is probably Citra, um, Citra Galaxy. Um, when I first started the brewery, I was kind of anti-Citra, and then I started using it, and I was like, I actually really enjoy this pop a lot. Um, but it's it changes a little bit. I think um, the one hop I've never used that I've really wanted to use is Nelson Savon. Oh, nice. And Many. I, yeah, the thing about it, it's just it's the most expensive hop on the market. Damn right it is. Yeah, and so it's like hard Kiwis. for me to justify it. I'm like. Do I really do I really need to brew a beer with that? Because I'm not gonna be. I don't think I'm gonna be able to brew enough of it, and it's hard to get. Mm. That's the other thing. Could you but, do like a brute IPA or something with it? Yeah, potentially. I think um, I actually had a beer from Stone City that it was their um, fourth year anniversary beer mm-hmm. that was brewed with Nelson, and it was odd because their I, their just regular IPA was hazy, and yeah. then their fourth year was totally clear. Um, hmm. But I couldn't distinguish. I couldn't distinguish uh, that particular hop from it. Um, right. One beer I've always wanted to try was Double Nelson from Hill Farmstead. I've never had a chance to try it just because I don't. I think most people don't use enough of that in particular hop because it's so expensive. Yeah, to, to like, truly get the character of it. Yeah, is the problem. Um, Brutes are the first time I've really heard people go hard on it because it's so important to the the flavor profile. Mm-hmm. Just because they need that whiny like. Like dry champagne Exactly. Grapes type of thing mm-hmm. that go with the whole thing. That's the only time I've seen recently that people are like, I knew people were creaming over it because it is really serious, but like, isn't it fantastic hop and it, and it really adds a lot, but it has it's to be the right thing. essential to that beer, mm-hmm. from what I understand. That and like Halitel Blank stuff like that. Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could do it without Nelson. It's not like necessary, but I think, yeah. It definitely enhances example. it. I think it's from what I understand. From the ones I've had, I've only had a couple, but. I have never had a broad IPA. They're all been pretty cool. Like, it didn't blow my mind, the mm-hmm. ones I had. But the thing is, they're all Canadian ones, and none of the people who had made them had been to San Francisco to have the original. Mm-hmm. So I always find that a little odd that, like, I don't know if they package the original one, but I feel like if you're going to go do your version of it, you can read it on the internet and do it. But I, I feel like it would be a little more... It's all about water. Key to make the trip. You know, about the water. I mean, I think that's a huge, it's a huge factor. You know, that's how like the Goza style started was. Uh, yeah, the seawater, right? Yeah, the brackish waters. Yeah. Yeah, and they were like, what the hell are we going to do with this? Yeah. <laughs> make a good ass beer. 
Speaking of that, the I will do the last one. We got one question left, yep. and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Yeah, we'll, I'll grab that. Yeah, we'll do the last beer for it. Come on, no. Perfect. Hey, buddy. You want a dog, right? The only thing is that we leave too often. Is that you always have to get someone else to look after him. Hey, buddy, how you going? So this is a, what, do you reckon it's a golden retriever? Is that what you are, mate? It's not really answering me. Do you reckon he's a golden retriever? He's golden. Oh, he is? Yeah. Beautiful. Shoot us a tweet if you like dogs. Say I like dogs. I hope to get a lot of tweets after this episode. <laughs> I've had a lot, of, uh, a lot of tweet demands. What do you, what's your favorite beer so far, Tiff? Double IPA. Double IPA. <laughs> I actually forgot to take a photo of it. I gotta do that. Oh, you like my feet? You like my feet? I'm about to look every now and then. Mm mm. He's a cutie. Tiffany's all thirsting over dogs, guys. Pray for me. Pray for me. They just like hang out with you. Yeah, I know. It's cool. It's cool, but then like you gotta dip. Yeah, just come hang out. I wonder if you can get like a dog that you can actually just bring everywhere all the time. I think those are the little tiny ones. But what if you're like going through customs, like going through the border, do you reckon you'd be able to like bring the dog? I don't know if you could. I don't know if that's how it works. Because they seem to bust your ass over the smallest things. Imagine bringing a dog. They didn't even know. I love it. It's a good one, guys. This is a, uh, it's been a fun chat. What are we looking at? Two and a quarter hours. Bloody ripper. It's been so chill. I guess the time just flies because it's so, uh, we're just chilling, yapping, looking at gorgeous mountains, sunflowers. It's what life's about, ladies and gentlemen. Hummingbirds. I really want to get that hummingbird, though. I want to get like a nice, uh, like a nice photo. Or at least like a boomerang. Imagine a boomerang. You get that honey, uh, hummingbird boomerang. Ooh. You know what I mean? Make some noise for hummingbirds out here. I love it. Uh, yeah, but like for real, for real, if you guys are ever out here, this is, this is a place you need to come. I think it'd be fun in winter too. I wouldn't even be that mad. Yes. Thank you, sir. Oh, you got a can. I oh, do. we got a can to this one? Nice. Oh, the sea salt caramel coconut. That's a long one. We it had a barrel-aged version of this. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Bourbon barrel-aged smoked sea salt caramel coconut porter. <laughs> it's like 15 <laughs> words. It smells portery. Mm-hmm. 8-4. Woof. So is it actual, the sea salt is smoked? Mm-hmm. Is that even a thing? Guess yep. it is. Damn. That's great. Anything we need to know about this beer? Uh, the caramel mm. is made by Fat Toad Farm. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. They're out of Randolph. Um, definitely a little sweeter. Yeah, it's, it's sweeter than the uh, the regular coconut. Yeah. I remember. Um, just because it's a bigger body. Right. Um, and that's the whole idea behind it. And, and the salt is uh, subtle, right? It's not yeah, like it's not supposed to be overwhelming or anything. Like, I don't really... It's one of those things I think you. I want you to search for. I don't want it to yeah. be like the first thing you taste. I don't think it would taste right. It's kind of in the back end there a little. Mm -hmm. mm. Like creamy. The coconut isn't like um, overwhelming at all. Mm -mm. We actually use um, a little 
it's the same exact amount that we use just in the regular coconut. Okay. Um, the double coconut uses twice the amount of coconut. So the coconut pops out way more in the double ah. coconut, but it's not what I, I don't want the coconut to be, you know, the popping thing in this. I don't want anything in particular to be like overwhelming. overwhelming I just right? want it to be a nice blend mm. through the whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's super balanced, this particular one. Let's get this photo so I don't forget. Now here messing up. Then the final. Bam. The final uh, question on the lightning round was uh, favorite adjunct. Coconut. The coconut? <laughs> By far. Good call. Um, coconut is amazing. Yeah, I mean, we put it in. I have a chili coconut cinnamon stout. I have a coconut graham cracker ale. Um, obviously, the coconut porter, the double coconut porter. Uh, we did a beer called Some Infinite Thing, which was a coffee coconut porter. Um, <laughs> I mean, we just put it in everything. The Curiosity just got coconut yeah. in it. Um, Sours. Yeah, it's just a fun ingredient, pain in the ass to deal with. Oh yeah, it's actually the like I the first so I hate brewing IPAs for the first part, but the coconut beers are the worst the second part because you have to deal with the coconut right on the after at fact, and you always have to rack off the coconut. Um, you have to deal with stuck lines and all that constantly, um, but it's worth it in the end. You know, it's like it's you know roasting the coconut's not a big deal, but it's just the fact of like. Just having to clean it out and constantly, you know, it's, right. just, it's, it's not that fun. So, like, we try not to do it that often because it's, it is one of those things where it's like it would be overwhelming if you had to do it all the time. The, right. the original brewing part of it's like this is great, this is easy, nice, long, nice short day. It's just the, uh, <laughs> it's the toasting and the, the toasting the and thing. the after fact. I mean, the clean, you know, cleaning in brewing is like you know eighty percent of it, anyways. You know, you're just always cleaning, and I try to just tell people that, you know. Everybody that comes here and that necessarily wants to start a brewery and everything, and I'm like, you know, I just want to let you know, there's, you know, it's fun and all, but just know you're gonna clean a That's lot, a lot. That's what you're doing. You're just it's mostly cleaning. You're mostly cleaning. You're a janitor. Yeah, That's a what glorified you. janitor, but that gets to drink beer. <laughs> well, like a drunken janitor. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. much. <laughs> I love it, man. Um, I'm worried that this battery is going to die. We're at the zero okay. little mark there, but this has been great. Was there anything else we wanted to cover? No, no. I think we got everything. You're a legend, man. This has been fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank dude. you so much really for coming up. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Genuine absolutely. pleasure. Um, where can everybody find you online? Uh, Facebook, Instagram. Um, we have a website that's not the greatest thing in the world, but it has all our that's contact information on there. Just at just benthillbrewery.com? It's benthillbrewery.com. Yep. Okay, and it's at benthillbrewery on social? Yep, on both uh, Facebook and Instagram. Instagram? Fantastic. Love it, man. If you guys are ever central Vermont, or if you're northern Vermont or southern, just come to the middle. It's all here. You get hummingbirds, dogs, sunflowers, mountains, and of course, incredible view. Uh, thank you guys for watching. If you enjoyed the episode, mate, boom, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below and hit the notification bell. What sound does that make? Ding. It's <laughs> ding. I try to make people say it now. <laughs> You're like, it's ding. Definitely <laughs> ding. So you know when the new episodes drop. Hit, uh, follow us on social media at BOS Podcast and check out the long form audio so you can hear very attractive gentleman like Uncle Mike here talk about beer and sunflowers <laughs> and hummingbirds and coconut and glitter very often that is it guys um, thank you for watching see you in the next episode get in ya